Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. You know what the scariest thing about Halloween is, Craig? Go on. Christmas is just around the corner. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Stop that right now and start a music podcast. Here we go. Dave Hanratty and there will be no encore. Welcome to 346 episodes later. It's the No Encore Music Podcast. We're back. We're in Adam's studio. Still at it. Still at hey, it. Adam. It's dark. It's wet. It's cold. But we're cozy. It's Christmas. No, it's a. Uh, the 3rd of November, is it? Are we recording this? Yeah. Out on the 4th, of course. I'm very excited for the 10th of November. What about... So I can play the Amazon f- Lighthouser in Rostam. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. And the of course, 10th of November. Don't forget to remember, remember the 5th of November. 5th of November? Remember, remember the 5th of November, the gunpowder, treason and plot. I can think of no reason. Ah, guy. I can't finish it, damn it. Um, I know of no reason such as something treason should ever be forgot. I I fucked it up. V for Vendetta, everybody. Good film. I liked it. I I saw it once and it was years ago. Did you watch, um, you promised me you'd watch It Follows. Did you watch any horror films since in the the run-up to Halloween? In the span of Halloween uh, Mm -hmm. that month. No, you did... 31? Well, I made a list and I... You checked it twice? No, I checked it several times and I didn't actually get to the end of the list. I only completed 64% of it, I think, which okay. is bad because... Which makes no sense because I did make a list of 31 horror movies, but in the end I watched different films here and there, including horror films that were on my list. So the month has gone by, October. Um, do you know how many films I watched in that month? Because, of course, Letterboxd, you can tot it up. How many films over 31 days do you think I watched? I'd say you watched 44. Adam? Mm, I'm going to say 38. The answer is 52. I watched Ooh, 52 wow. films. Impressive. I was off work for two weeks. I mean, like yeah. that probably helped. And I so how many would you get into a, a standard <clears throat> off day? I, I, I try and take down, oh, like a day off. Yeah. Um, there was a couple of days where I took down four a day. Yeah. 
Um, a lot of films. You know, like, I watched I mean, two horror films. Can you believe over I'm single? <laughs> <laughs> so you, you what now? I watched two. So we discussed previously on the podcast. I rewatched Midsummer, so that counts as one. What a bad choice. And then you, yeah. And then <laughs> you recommended it follows. So over the weekend, I ended up watching Army of Darkness. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Bruce Campbell oh, oh, had his great. campy best. Excellent. Which is very fun. Nice. Um, groovy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you didn't watch it follows. No, but I'm going to watch it. I'm currently watching, the month. I'm watching the Alien films again because I finished on Alien because it was a good one to finish on. Yeah. And I also, I should say as well, I um, I watched hype horror film of the moment, Barbarian. I went to see it in the cinema the other day mm. and I went with a whole bunch of people. Well, I went with two people and then there were two more people there. So I, I was surrounded in by friends. In the cinema. In the cinema, yeah. Um, no, it was a full house. And uh, do you know much about this film, do you? I know nothing about it except for the title. It's best to go in blind, I find. So I won't get into the uh, particulars of it, but I will say... I think they talk about like you know in the minority here. I thought it was terrible. <laughs> like I thought it had a good first half hour, and then it becomes beyond bad and gets worse and worse and worse. So smug. I hated it, Craig. I was, a... I, I was so angry after it was over that I ranted up the stairs of the Lighthouse Cinema to my friends who weren't That's him. what the stairs are there for, I, the Lighthouse I yeah. find. I turned around to Mark Conroy, friend of the show, yes. and I said, hey Mark. Um, hey, Mark. I said, um... I tell you, the real barbarian was the was the, the head of the studio that greenlit that film because I'm very funny. Um, and then yeah, then oh, we went for points with uh, with Zara Hedman. David Tappy was there as well. Um, hello to them as well. And hello to a friend of the show, Jade Hayden. She was there as well. So hey, Jade. It was a that's all our listeners. Actually, Jade probably doesn't listen. I don't know. <laughs> she started listening. She's probably gonna stop now. But um, it was it was a who's who, and you know they're all they all loved it, and I thought it was terrible. And then like um. My colleague Rory Cashin, film critic, when I told him that I didn't dig it, he was like, you not liking a popular thing? No. And I'm like, I'm like no, that's, that's not fair. That's character assassination. You also didn't like Banshees of Inner Sharon, right? No, no, no. I liked it. I just didn't love it. Oh, okay. You, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you thought you'd be very taken with it and it didn't have that emotional I thought that it insisted upon itself, Craig. I hear you. Yeah. Did you I see hear it? you. No, no, I'll go. And I'll get around to it at some point. Listen, okay. once I get through all of <laughs> rewatching Bruce Campbell's entire back catalogue, sure. Um, then, then it's time. Halloween's done. It's over. It's time to move on. And it's time to move on with the show. We've a stacked episode this week. Uh, no album review, but it's still a stacked episode because no, no we guest. have no, no guest. But we do. Well, we're, we're kind of returning to form. Um, I should say. But like, we have um, we have a pretty packed news section. Yeah, a lot going on. We have a very interesting top five in which we throw back to the 1950s. And later on in the show, we'll hear from Brezzy for some mental health tips to get you through the winter. Wait, what? <laughs> Is he coming in or? Yeah. We're just piping in some audio. Yeah, but... No, I'm cutting that out of the podcast. No, you're not. <laughs> That's staying in the podcast. <laughs> but he's not. Welcome on the show anytime though, mate, but I'm not going to pay your fee. Anyway, so uh, what's the story with uh, with you, Craig? You good? Yeah, yeah. I'm um, I'm enjoying, just enjoying my winter life. That's nice. Know? Um uh, top five songs from the 1950s. So this was, is, yeah. um, you had some ideas this week. That was one of them. I think it's because... I've always got something cooking, yeah. you know? Well, there's a different reason. And we'll get to in the news section, I suppose. Uh, Craig was um, mourning the loss of uh, the last rock and roll Hellraiser, Jerry Lee Jerry Lewis. Jerry Lee Lewis. A bad, bad man. Did he kill someone? Uh, no, he was, well, no, he was just... Hold on, he's dead now, so we can say... Yeah. Uh, uh, 
He was a paedophile. Question marks. Yeah, yeah. Can I say that? I mean, he married his 13-year-old cousin. Yeah, when he was 22. Yeah. That makes him... Which got him, like, it sank his career in the late 50s. That's right. People were like, this isn't on. Yeah, yeah. Um, an innovator, a pioneer, um, as a lot of people on Twitter were saying. When it comes to music, yes. Yeah. Um, um, but no, he was, I suppose it's, you know, end of an era in a lot of ways. He was one of the last remaining early rock and rollers hence um, the top five that also kind of covers our, we, we can take him out of the new section now we, we, we've talked about it but um, yeah, he's um, dead and we're going to talk about the 50s which of which he was a big pivotal figure and of course as we all know <laughs> my favourite time for music like, like there's no question I'm always talking about the 50s you're always banging on about the 50s so, yeah, we're banging on about the that golden age later in the top five for now uh, there is a new before the encore in the world Adam Shanahan sat down with producer Philip McGee uh, for what turned out to be a very personal episode Adam actually uh, I guess it's fair to say that Philip was a mentor to young Adam Yeah, and we probably wouldn't be sitting here in this studio today with Adam Adam, Adam, Adam probably wouldn't be the sonic architect of this show if it wasn't for the stewardship of Phil McGee, who of course comes across like a very humble man, yeah. it's another great episode of Before the Encore, Adam's industry podcast. Please go listen to it. It's great. Adam's doing colossal work behind the scenes and in front of the microphone. That's it right now. There's also a no ox cord, of course, for patrons of the show, patreon.com slash no encore. We recorded that a week or two ago, I believe. Two weeks ago. Two weeks ago. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so that's up there as well on patreon.com slash no encore. And that's where you can support the show if you want to help us do more things. Uh, more on that later, perhaps, in a confusing news uh, section that we'll be discussing. We're about to enter. We're about to enter in right now. Let's have it. Yeah. Start spreading the news. Thanks, Frank. The best Frank. The uh, the mascot of the show. Frank Ocean, no? Frank Sinatra, everybody there uh, um, taking us to the new section. Oh, Blue Eyes. Keeping the 50s. Keeping the 50s. Very much of a theme. I love um, keeping the 50s. Um, right, yeah. so Jerry Lee Lewis is dead. Uh, we've had that news story. Yeah, he and, passed away at the age of 87. Yeah. Um, another big musical figure who was taken um, way before his time. Um, news broke this week that Takeoff from Migos had passed away, sadly. Um, only 28 huge part of well hip hop in over the last decade I guess Migos just completely reshaped the landscape the sounds that Atlanta thing and he was a huge part of it one third of it and just totally shocking news but also I mean we've been doing this podcast five or six years at this point and how many news items will we have to do about you know shining lights of hip hop being taken away in their 20s it's just ridiculous at this point right yeah and if anyone somehow hasn't heard the news of how it happened unfortunately he was shot dead um, yeah a stray, stray bullet, bullet seemed, um, so apparently it wasn't directed at him but uh, he was with Quavo of the band uh, they were playing dice in a bowling alley at half two in the morning at a private party I believe is, yeah and um, an altercation broke out it appeared from the initial kind of reports that he was targeted it seems that he wasn't so it seems like it was just completely senseless in that it's completely a squabble broke out he just happened to be there and is now you know, fucking it's dead. America like, so people can then whip out guns when a squabble breaks out and yeah, suddenly he's he's been shot. News broke on Twitter on Tuesday morning. I was back in work and I was, you know, paying attention to Twitter as one does looking for stories. And then I saw, I think someone may have texted me and I was like, is this a thing? Because I was like, my first instinct was, do TMZ have it? Which is a horrible fucking good reaction. But they usually on. do. Yeah. And they did. They, like, they, had it, they, they eventually had it first, not long after. It was doing the rounds on Twitter. And sure enough, it was confirmed shortly afterwards. And yeah, listen, I, I thought about it, you know, in terms of coming into the show. I don't really know what we can add apart from it's horrible. It sucks. It's a bad, bad news story. It's a horrible reflection of, of American society, unfortunately. Clearly, um, you know, I was going to say like a freak accident, but it's not an accident, is it? You know, even yeah. if it was a stray bullet. Um, 
And I will say as well, I mean, like, I do find it, like, very uh, alarming, but not surprising, which is alarming in and of itself. Like, just, like, seeing the comments online, um, whether it was on the website I work for, uh, just seeing people in the Facebook comments with their jokes. Um, oh, really? Even on, like, a website like Stereogum, which you wouldn't expect it, right? People just rushing into the comments to, like, make gags about, like, like kind of, like, plays on his name for a start. Like, you know. Okay. And then also plays on the Migos name, like in terms of like turning them into kind of a past tense type of thing. I don't even want to repeat any of them. But then, of course, That's there awesome. was just lots of just like, and of course, people didn't, the, the, the time honored, the tried and tested who? Who? Which is uh, just like, like what, first of all, like, horrific. <laughs> someone is dead. Yeah. They, they've been shot dead at the age of 28. And also, I will say as well, you know, it's so clear as well that like this is not even thinly veiled. It's just racism. Like it's just, it's full on like, well, a black guy's been shot dead. Let's have yeah, a laugh a rapper, at it. A Let's have a la- yeah, a it's a cliche, yeah, yeah. so it seems cartoonish to people. Let's have a laugh at it. Like, of, and, yeah. and I'm just like, lads, I'm like, someone's been shot dead. Like, I mean, like, what? Like, I know I sound like, like, um, whatever here, but I'm just like, it's baffling to me that somebody would make that decision mm. with their fucking online account to be like, you know what I'll do? That'll show them. It's like, what are you doing? Yeah. Like, 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 what? Like, why do you feel the compunction? To weigh in with a gag or a dismissal or a mockery of a human being that you didn't know who's been killed. Yeah. Why is that tragic? Or sorry, why is that not tragic? Why is that comical? But say someone dying in a car crash, you know, randomly on an Irish road, that's tragic. Yeah. I like, agree. what's the difference? Is it because one guy's black and one guy's probably white? Probably. There's huge and the rap thing is, you racism. say, yeah, people, people are like, you know, oh, it's, a, it's part of the game. Like, he, like he, he's a rapper, therefore, like, you know, he had money. Like, oh, this is his lifestyle. It's like, fuck off. But sorry, go on. Yeah, uh, that is the racism is definitely a part of it. The celebrity thing as well, where people just think you're in the public eye. So your entire life is now content and you're a commodity. And even your passing is just something for the fucking news feed that's just going to, you know, springboard the latest gag or whatever it's just it, people are just becoming hugely desensitised there was video doing around as well of just the aftermath which I was I kind of kept trying to sidestep and managed to not see most of it but just widely shared horrible um, thoughts to like the family I mean Migos were his family um, probably the most underrated of the three I always thought he was great on like verses he was just great with bars Seemed like a softy spoken, pretty, you know, a, a bit of a gentleman as well. Released an album with Quavo last month. I mean, just still kind of very creative, very current. And then it's just mad how that can just stop yeah. over something so stupid. Yeah. Yeah. And again, not, not to harp on about it, but like, it's just, it's a reflection of like fucking awful Twitter culture and just social media, how, like, how, how, how broken it is. Um, but then again, people will probably say this stuff in the pub as well, and they shouldn't because it's fucking ridiculous. And I just, and again, it's one thing if you're like, you know, you're a teenager or something. I'm seeing like lads with families and their fucking profile photographs who are clearly in their forties. Yeah. Like, what are you trying to prove here, apart from how awful a person you are? But yeah, look, rest in peace, take off. It's a shocking story, and also like bizarrely as well, the news cycle moves on insanely fast. And because we're a podcast that covers news, we'll be doing the same. We have yeah. to do the same. Yeah. So. Well, there was kind of you know positive content. I guess there was a return Rihanna um new music for the first time in five six seven years um, which one is it <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying I think since since 2016 so six years right it was like something off anti I think this is the first yeah. new track we've got um it's called lift me up it's called lift me up it's for Black Panther Wakanda forever do you know the runtime of that movie <clears throat> I would say it's it's got to be approaching three hours right one six one minutes yeah two hours 41 mm. apparently it's good 
The reviews. I would are imagine it. it's it's very good. Yeah. Um, she's kind of talked openly about it being um, a bit of a well, a complete kind of tri- tribute to Chadwick Boseman, uh, another person we lost too soon. Uh, it's a ballad which is fitting for the film and kind of that sentiment. Probably wasn't how I pictured Rihanna's return. Fans weren't happy. It's, um, I mean, I can't say I fell in love with the track. I'm sure once it's in the context of the film, it'll make more sense. But it's kind of an Adele ballad, piano ballad. I think, it's better, I think it's better than your average Adele song. I, think? I, well, I got to it after seeing people who I know are fans be like, what the fuck is this? And then I listened to it maybe the day after it came out. And I have to say, I was like, yeah, no, this is fine. I, I think it's quite nice. Um, the tune reminded me of um, Doris Day's Que Sera Sera, which is... Keeping the fifties as well. I think so it's it good. A very familiar. Tune. I think it's not good. in a bad way, but it's. I enjoy the minimal, the minimalism of it. I thought it was sweet. I thought the vocal was very nice. But then again, I don't know. Like, and this isn't me being, you know, contrarian. But I, I enjoyed it. Okay. Yeah, I thought it was. Um, it was a bit nondescript. I mean, the performance is great. She's an incredible voice. It's yeah. a good song, but it's. It's I'd kind of the it. thing I wouldn't naturally kind of go to Rihanna for. No. But something different. I think she has good. another song. Good. I think she has another song in the film, possibly like slash on the soundtrack. And it's gonna be a banger. I don't know if it out. is because I asked that question of someone who's gone to see the movie at a press screening, and I said, "Oh, is it a banger?" And they're like, "No." And I was like, "Okay, a so, banger." So what's so what's happening? <laughs> Un banger. What's happening? Um, I, I would play it on the show, but I feel like we get copyright striked immediately because I feel like you know if you're gonna be sweeping for that kind of stuff, Rihanna yeah, would be the one people that you can would. find it online. It's available online. If you're everybody. on your phone right now, you can find it once you finish this podcast. Yes. Complete the podcast. Check out Rihanna. Complete the podcast. Have a wonderful day. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, like, you know, once you get through the next era of this show. um, All right. So, yeah, she's back in the world. People people are happy. Even people who didn't like the song. I thought it was grand. What else is happening, Craig? Um, Also back, although she never really went away, um, Taylor Swift, who's released something, I think, like six or seven albums since Rihanna went away from music. Is that right? Yeah, huge amount of albums. Wow. She's prolific. She's a very talented songwriter. And she's getting the plaudits. She's getting her flowers. She's getting her sales. She made a bit of history, Dave. She did, yeah. Um, as you have it in the running order. The Manchester City of Music she makes is, yet more history. Yeah, she's the Manchester City of Music, isn't Go she? Because she, al- your workings. Cause she always wins and it's very boring. <laughs> um, so also, but she sorry. isn't funded by... Blood Money. Do we know? Not that we know. She is. No, she's, she's cool. She creates the Blood Money, yeah. What does that even mean? I don't know. So, by the way, I should say as well, um, you mentioned Adele. Real quick, there are tickets for her Vegas residency going on the secondary market in, in, in America for um, f- uh, 40,000 British pounds. Eight, what? Eight, Holland, eight, what? Eight rows from the front, seated tickets. She's doing a Vegas residency from November until February. But this is, okay, but the 40,000 gets you a ticket to every single no, night one of the residency. One what? One concert, yes. <laughs> You know what 40 grand can get you that's not that? A lot of good... A lot of other things. A lot of bags of O'Donnell's crisps, let me tell you. (laughs) Which? Particularly in Vegas, I can get you a lot of stuff. (laughs) No, seriously, yeah. Like, like, I saw this during... I was on uh, Today FM chatting about this, and I said said into the microphone, I said, you'd you'd want to have your head examined, so you would. Yeah, I I went there, Craig. (laughs) Somebody somebody stopped me. Voice Um, of the people. Voice of reason on the nation's airwaves. Chaos man on the the air. So, yeah, yeah, 40,000 British pounds, which I think is about 46,000 euro. There's still that kind of discrepancy. Um, we'll get eight rows from the front. Now, the the cheapest uh, ticket for the seat at the back, like a 4,000-seater arena in Vegas, 
the cheapest ticket is 579 British pounds. nuts. And you're seeing nothing, I'd say. Uh, probably not. But I mean, like, uh, rich people with bad taste, I suppose. So, a good week for Adele. And as you say, for Taylor Swift, what's she up to? So, Taylor Swift has scored a 10 out of 10. They become the first artist in history to claim the top 10 slots on the Billboard Hot 100 chart in the US. Um, this is like all tracks from the new album Midnight's, which is fine. It's pretty good. You've heard it, yeah? Yeah, I gave a listen the day it came out in between listening to Tartic Monkeys. And yeah, I think the Taylor Swift stuff on the new album is production-wise very 1989-ish, which I like. Songwriting-wise very folklore-ish, which I kind of like, but the it didn't seem to have the standouts. I've gone back once or twice and I think... You won't be buying all four deluxe editions or whatever it is now? No, and I think actually her, like the... The fan rating online has it placed towards the bottom of her kind of catalogue. I don't know what that says about people's reaction to this. I don't know if it means that this album is now like a kind of be here now where it's like the apex of her commerciality and people are kind of like, eh. Um, I saw earlier on... Tremendous accomplishment. Although... mm, I saw, sorry, I saw earlier on on Twitter, uh, Zara Hedeman tweeted about her sexy baby song. Oh yeah, and yeah, I was that like, line. There's I was so like, much cringe. I was like, why would you? I was like, why would you invite the wrath of the fans? Oh my god, I just checked the tweet. She's deleted it. <laughs> <laughs> smart, smart woman. Coward, smart. Coward Zara. <laughs> Coward Zara, who's guesting on the show next week. Looking forward to it. I'm sure she'll bring up this very comment. Um, I will say, um, shout out to Taylor for surpassing Drake, who had the previous record with nine of the top ten songs. So for hang a on. Week Sorry, last so she year. she has, will, that's a sickener for Drake. I love it. Yeah. So she has she has all ten of the tracks in the Hot 100, right? And yeah, the, the first top ten time, is all tracks off the album. And it's the first time a woman's ever done it, or first, sorry, first, first time, time anyone's ever done first it. First time anyone's ever done it, right? Yeah. And there's also been I've seen people online being like, "This is also, I guess, the first time that a man has, yeah, a man hasn't been in um, the top ten. Yeah, well, it would would make sense, right? Because so that's another piece of history. And I saw like I saw people online being like, "Yes." Yes, this is the best thing ever. This is this is women's music. This is great. And I'm sorry, I don't agree. It's one person and it's Taylor Swift. Come back to me when it's five different artists who are like female. Yeah, yeah. I don't want, want to say female fronted. Like that's fucking yeah, it's, it, but like, she can be an outlier. I don't think it's a victory for women's music. Uh, I, I don't think it is at all. And I saw, I think it was Austria tweeted about it, kind of like being like, lol. And then people were like, oh, she's going to come after you. Because it was just like... It's not. It's not a reflection. It doesn't do it. Like, what does it do for for another female artist? Nothing. Well, I mean, yeah, Madonna was this big in the eighties. I mean, she doesn't have that record, but we could talk about how but those were, records. What were people saying then? Like Madonna's dominance. It, like this, this. Like that. I was going to say. I mean, I don't think Madonna's dominance was helping other women no. necessarily. This I mean, is a monopoly situation. This is like. This isn't something like. In my opinion, this isn't something. To what celebrate. do you think of the whole? Rollout the whole dominating the kind of Taylor presses, Swift. yeah, the the kind of huge array of releases and kind of feeding into the fans collectors mentality yeah. and but that's why up prices and I was seeing uh, uh, there's there's a lot of kind of she's she's extremely good or her team's extremely good at marketing like oh, her, course, she's yeah. just exceptionally good at it and there's all these things apparently like on the website where it'll be like get your signed copy now limited kind of run mm-hmm. and then two days later there'll be more put up get and the it's album like, that comes with the cardigan and like but also there yeah. was this is why I say I don't think this is something to celebrate this is why I say she's the man city of music because I think it's cynical corruption I think it's greed and I think also the fact that there are literally I went to Terror Records there last week and there was 
four different vinyl editions of Midnight's. And I'm pretty sure they all had the same amount of tracks. And it mm. was like, you know, it literally was like a different, maybe a different like pressing or something or a different like color yeah. on the uh, on the vinyl. But it was, it literally was like, you know, this, there was a sticker on it being like, get all four. And yeah, like, yeah. not only that, not only that, but like, and I think I mentioned on the show already possibly, but when it came out, the night it came out, she went, surprise, here's the Midnight's Brackets 3am edition with seven other songs. Because she was like, I, I, I wrote more songs and here they are. And you couldn't pre-order that one in advance. Yeah. So people who've pre-ordered the fucking first one now have to get this one as well. This That's is, what I don't like, this the is kind of Malibu Stacy, yeah. but she's got a new hat. That's what it is. And I don't think it's good. I don't think it's a celebratory thing. This is fucking arch capitalism from an artist who knows exactly what she's doing. And I think it does kind of fuck up with the artistry as well because like, like Folklore is a good album. Well, the first eight tracks are excellent and then it, get, it kind of just repeats on itself she's clearly a very talented artist and like fair play to her she's she's made her own industry and like she is you know she's going on tour now she's an entry tour and she's bringing out a ton of female artists I think Phoebe Bridges in there Heim various others I'm not saying she does nothing I do think she has her favourites though I just think that it's a very cynical operation backed up by very not everyone of course but very very a caustic a, a caustic fan base that oh, also are super right, impressionable right. and will buy everything like uh, yeah, I like. I don't. I don't have an issue with giving this like, is a huge amount of variations it's and content. making it's not it music anymore. Yeah, but that's kind of fine to me. It is the thing of just being like playing with people's emotions and not giving them a full picture of what's going to be released when. And you know, oh, I bought this, and now as you were saying, like there's fucking more. My best friend has and, yeah. both the albums. I gotta get the next one, mom yeah, and dad. Yeah, like a young fan base as well. Need to do that. And it's um, like it's. I just like at least be honest about it, right? Just be honest yeah, about yeah, it. Like, yeah. like it's just like 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 just you're you're a brand. That's fine. Like, you're, how is she any different from say Metallica, who are of course a ridiculous money making machine? It's the same thing. Oh, it's hundred percent the same thing. Yeah, but don't but hide behind a, the veneer a... of the girl next door anymore. Like it's like oh, I'm one of you. Can she not be the girl next door who makes an absolute mint? Like why are those, do those things mutually exclusive? Do you yeah, know but I'm, I'm not saying she can't. I, I just don't think it's anything to admire. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Or cherish or celebrate. And her being the top ten songs in the Billboard chart does nothing for the industry. It probably makes it worse and harder. And like somehow, like it's not. This isn't a landmark moment for feminism. No. I mean, the gap, the gap in general between the, you know, 1% and the rest of us is obviously widening, but it seems like that way for artists as well, where you have some gigantic, usually solo artists that will just, the likes of Adele, um, Harry Styles, they'll keep the kind of um, presses busy all kind of year round, they'll sell a huge amount, and then you have a huge drop and where you've got like well-established acts that can't even afford to tour, which we've talked about previously. I think the top 10 thing as well. I mean, obviously she's selling a lot of physical copies, but so well, much it's of that track is streaming. streaming well. For so example, it doesn't and, and count. Like, uh, like, uh, yeah. The charts to me don't count anymore. But do you remember like there was a time, I think it was six years ago, when Ed Sheeran's Divide album came out and the fr- and there were 16 tracks on like the deluxe edition or something. Yeah. And if do you remember like the Irish chart that Friday? Oh yeah, the numbers. Numbers 1 to 16 were, were all Ed Sheeran. Mm. And it's like, well, th- this isn't, like, what is this? Like, like this is Whereas isn't... previously, yeah, to listen to the same amount of tracks from the same amount of people would have counted as one sale for yeah. the album. Yeah, like, I yeah. agree. It's, it's meaningless. Yeah. Um, and that's why it just kind of galls me a bit that people, like, put this up there as some kind of great moment for the industry. Like, it's not. So, and like, listen, I like, I like a, a good bit of her music. And I really did think that Folklore was a pretty strong album that could have been a great one. I mean, Evermore, she, put, she was like, surprise, here's Evermore. Evermore. Who the fuck listened to that outside yeah, of the stands? There's probably great stuff in it. There probably is, but like I was just, we're so overloaded by, overwhelmed by like, it's like this thing of like, I must release like an album a year. It's like, I just find it exhausting. Yeah. 
I find it exhausting. It's okay if you don't. Don't come at me, anybody. <laughs> Shall we talk about Ireland's answer to Taylor Swift? Yeah, though? yeah. From so, one polarizing figure to another. Well, we should say we've spent the last few weeks, right? And like, I will say, because Greg put the new section together this week, and thank you for doing so. No problem. At all. Well, I, I put in the Taylor Swift story. Why? So I could have a rant. Um, um, Mission accomplished. And there's one more to go, but like not around. Ladies like, and gentlemen, we got her. <laughs> <laughs> so listen, um, we've talked for a few weeks now about a certain individual, um, and and we've decided that. A spur of the moment in the studio earlier on, some 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 magic happened. Yeah, and we you know we haven't had like a, a, a Melvin Ben Bong sting for a while. We haven't had a Kiss Corner, and I think you know I guess like the fates just had it. So let's talk about the one and only person that is. If you think about that, that's kind of mad, isn't it? Yeah, it's uh, it's time to open the Bono box. Masterpiece. Yeah, we're in. The, we're actually in physically in the Bono box right now. Adam made it as we came over to the studio. He constructed <laughs> it. It's a, it's a nice place to be. I feel very comfortable. We're in the Bono box. My voice is still a bit sore from our recording session before this recording session. We did it in one take, by the way. We did Fucking, that in one take. Oh, just, I, and inspiration I wa- struck. And I, I was home in Vertigo, <laughs> and suddenly we had the lyrics. We I, had the the will. I want that to be and known. The talent. I want that to be known <laughs> that it that it was one take. One take. And I'll back that. People, people will know. Yeah. So here's the thing, right? So in the Bono box, we talk about Bono Vox, and that's how it works. So mm-hmm. we've spoken for weeks on end about his new book, which, Bono. which is out. His book is out in the world now. And Congratulations to Bono. Yeah, congratulations, Bono. Um, I think Craig has picked another story coming out of it, but the real story, Craig, is that um, I'm trying to get us into the, to the Olympia show, yeah. but I've been told today to my horror that there's no guest list. So, um, maybe... Beggar's belief, to be quite honest. Well, I wonder, does Bono know there's no guest list? Surely he wants the press there to surely his hang family on his every word. aren't paying. Will they go? I don't know. I, I mean, feel like that might be a separate list. I think his son's on tour. Can you get onto a son? Maybe, yeah, maybe. Uh, hello, person I interviewed <laughs> twice. Um, so here's the thing, right? Um, I was trying to get us in for journalism purposes so that we could report back on the show. And then Craig, Craig, Craig or Adam, one of them, probably both at the same time, had a great idea earlier on before we hit the mics on and said, yeah, why Adam. don't we Why don't we just buy tickets? 60 euro. And myself and Dave were like, what? We were like, that's ridiculous. Buy tickets but then Adam made, Adam made the point that we do have a Patreon fund. That's what it's there for. So it's patreon.com slash no encore. Yeah, for sure. Thank business. you to everyone who has contributed to that and in fact allows us to buy these tickets. So I was like, that's a great idea. That's what we should do. That's a perfectly, that's a business expense and we can talk about it on the show. And then to my horror... We we got we all got very excited. Really, like at the prospect of a Monday night into it. Yeah, I was like, unbelievable. This this is this is great. And then Adam, Mr. Houston, I said to Adam, look up Ticketmaster there and tell us what the best available seats are. Turns out you barked at Adam. We should say, did I bark at him? Yeah, you said, look up Ticketmaster there. (laughs) Do it now. Of course, I asked him politely, and to my horror, Craig, it's sold Sold out. out. It's fucking sold out. He's a popular guy. Jesus Christ! We have like n- now we have to go. This has now become a thing. Yeah. Could we sneak in? Anyone Steal listening? Yeah, round the back. <laughs> yeah. Giant trench coat type situation. Um, anyone listening who is going to the Bono Three Olympia event and wants to sell us their ticket for face value, let us know. Yeah. Or better yet, hopefully I can swing. I'm still going to try. Yeah, I'm going to try. MCD, if you're listening. The entity that and is I know MTV. you are, Dennis Desmond. <laughs> Put us on the list. We like to be fair. We've given support to this book. 
we have talked about Bono in a positive light. We have light. stood up for Bono, but other naysayers have. I took his side over Jerry Adams. That means I'm a marked man, Craig. <laughs> anyway, what's the story that you have this week? Oh, it doesn't really matter. It does. Um, <laughs> he was on. Oh, yeah, he pitched up on BBC Radio too, not this podcast. He'll chat to Zoe Ball. I bet you she's on the guest list in London. But anyway, <laughs> he was basically chatting, giving his anecdotes. Also, he was on. Um, Graham Norton with Taylor Swift. Did you see any clips no. from that last Friday? Yeah, no. he um, declared himself to be a Swifty. Excellent. He's, you know, he's a smart man. He, 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 yeah, he, he <laughs> she knows, seemed very cool on it as he well. Knows, uh, again, like she's capable of being human. You know, <laughs> she showed up at the Bonnie Vare gig. Looked cool. Did yeah, that song yeah. I like. Capable of being human. Um, as is Bono, who showed up apparently at the White House. Oh, invited. Uninvited, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was back in the good old Obama days. He was talking to Zoe Ball about his experience of falling asleep in the US president's official residence. Not only that, I believe it was in the Lincoln Room. Oh, wow. It's a weird story, right? Okay. So he says, I don't call it drunk, which is always a good way to start an anecdote. I have an allergy to, I don't know, salicylitis? Salicylitis? Silats, Salas Silats. I'm going to go with Salas Silats, which are found in red wine, pizza, tomato sauce, lots of things. So a big night out with a lot of red wine, pizza or aspirin. My head will swell up like a balloon and pop or I fall asleep anywhere. Continue quoting him. I've fallen asleep in really awkward spots. He starts name dropping here, of course. The the lighting desk of Sonic Youth. They mixed around me and couldn't be nicer. <laughs> Imagine Thurston Moore being a sleepy Bono. <laughs> I've slept on the street. Great. <laughs> on car bonnets. And indeed, I did fall asleep at the White House and they were very, very good about it, actually. <laughs> this man can't get into trouble. So he goes on to say the 44th president of the United States, he mixes cocktails. He doesn't have too many. He's very measured. Gets that in, so he's invited back. (laughs) (laughs) I had them and the wine and the allergy and I ended up slipping out for a kip and the president said to Ali, his wife, after about 10 minutes, where's Bono gone? She said, he's just gone for a sleep. He said, I'm sorry. (laughs) Jesus. She said, he has to. He has to go for these sleeps. He'll be back in 10 minutes. I've been with him for 30 years. Don't you worry about him, Mr. President. I'll go find him. So Obama was like, no, no, no. I'm going to come with you. I know he was asking me about the Gettysburg Address. And then... I was in Lincoln's bedroom, says Bono, asleep, falling asleep in the bosom of Abraham himself, which is such a Bono line. He just woke me up and laughed. President laughed his head off, but he does tell people that he drinks me under the table. He doesn't believe the allergy thing. Right. And forbid. What if this happened during a gig? I don't know. If he's just nodding off randomly from what these salicylites. In the middle of like, get on your boots or something. Sexy boots. He just goes down for the fucking count. I've never heard of this thing before where you just fall asleep because of pizza or red wine or... Is this some kind of narcolepsy thing? It seems to be. It kind of reminds me of the time he started like explaining away his shades by saying he's, he's got, got coma, coma or yeah, something, yeah, yeah. which is probably fair. I mean, I believe Bono wholeheartedly and I look forward to seeing him in person. Yes, um, <laughs> on the 21st of November in the Olympia Theatre where, of course, we definitely will be. 
Yeah, he also said, by the way, look forward to this. New U2 music on the way, album almost finished. Uh, they decided not to put it out just yet. And uh, he says this kind of all the time, doesn't he? And then we never get an album for like another five years. But um, Or he usually says it's going to be something that it turns out not to be that thing at all, you know? Yeah. It's going to change music. Songs of Ascension, was that it? Modern hymns. Modern hymns. <laughs> Modern hymns. <laughs> at the moment, we're kind of... We're writing modern hymns. That's right, yeah. The last means, one was, um, as we've discussed before, songs that will be sang forever. The last one was Songs of Experience, wasn't it? Yes, it 29, was. Songs of Innocence, I yeah. I, I yeah. saw them on that tour and it wasn't great. It was okay. I remember it being not a great show. That was the arena tour, wasn't yes, it? Yes, it was, it was in three arena. And they, had a, they, had a, they had a simultaneously cool and annoying setup. It was, it, it was good. Like, it was fine. I, I, I thought it would have been better. I've actually never seen them still. Really? Yeah. I saw them at Slane in like 2001, one of those shows, and it was incredible. Yeah. Like, and they That's are, when they were. They are capable, of course, of being great. That show just, I don't know, something about the show felt kind of off, and he, they kept doing like loads of that fucking, like the show would stop after every four songs, and he'd do like the McFisto thing. Oh, like McFisto, where he's was, like, the a, devil. Yeah, and it was like a <laughs> video pre-record, and like, so you're watching this, like the cinematic, and oh, it was just like. One of his ideas where he's like, I'm sticking to this, everyone yeah. loves it. Adam had his hand up there. I, I saw them in the Three Arena and the Songs of Innocence or Experience Tour. Same thing I saw then, it must be. So good. Really? You liked yeah. it? Okay. I, I actually thought it was very, very good. Oh, okay. okay. Thought, like for a band that were that far on their career, they played like they fucking meant it. Do you know what I mean? Well, great. you know, Adam, they're they're just an old-fashioned punk band at the end of the day. That's true, you know? yeah. yeah. Well, how did they fare uh, when it came to Ireland's greatest song of all time, Craig? Because that Number was Number six, Dave. Okay, um, right. Well, so that was decided. <laughs> that, was alert, yeah. that was on, was it Sunday night? Over the bank holiday weekend or was it on Halloween night? I think it was on Sunday night, possibly. Yeah, Sunday, maybe. Um, um, hosted by Tracy Clifford. Tracy Clifford, friend of the show, Tracy Clifford. RT2FM. Um, yeah, voted by the listeners. The top 20, I've got it in front of me. I've, re- I've read it and I've reread it so and I can on, scarcely how, believe it. Wait, 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 wait. So, yeah, it was called The Playlist. How was the Ireland's, Ireland's playlist? Ireland's ultimate playlist or something? The ultimate Irish playlist. Right, the ultimate Irish playlist. Uh, how was this decided? And we've, yeah, there's 20 songs and re- you're, you're going to give us them in reverse order. These are the nation's 20 favourite Irish songs as voted for by the public. Do we know yeah. how, like, I assume it was text in, was it or Probably something? Probably a text in. On 2FM? Yeah, I'd okay. imagine so. Maybe there was a website. There's many means to get in touch these okay, days. Okay. But uh, it's listeners anyway. That's what we should keep in mind. Right. So this is twenty uh, the twenty the twenty best. The best Irish songs Ever. of all time. Right, okay. <sighs> at twenty. <laughs> now, I've, I've I'm actually, just looking at this list see, I, I have to get through. I them. actually only like I I, I I put this new story in, but have you, yeah, are you I, aware I, of I'm, I'm aware who I'm, I'm aware of the number, number one. one, yeah, but I but I, I kinda didn't six. really look at it. I okay. kinda just like okay. with them. So this is gonna okay, be Okay, so give your pithy gut take to each one. That's what I do, Craig. All right. Okay, all right. sorry, I'm not I don't mean to get no, too no, no, um, no, hands on you know. Yeah. Alright, so at number twenty it's the Hothouse Flowers Don't Go. I don't think I know that one. What's going on? Don't go. Don't leave me Well, sunshine. Yeah, I hate that Stick song. Around, well, well, well. It's very Elvis. That's an Irish 50s. song. Yeah, it's really? um, Lee Mo Wayne Lee. I, I'm not mad about. I'm not mad about that one. 
I can't stand the Hot House Flowers. I think they're crap. <laughs> that song is atrocious. Okay, uh, number yeah, 19. Yeah, I love how you're like, oh, Dave, give us your pithy takes. Here I am. Okay, yeah, no, no. I encourage it. Like, I, I wanted the McFisto version of Craig to come out here. So go on. Craig is it McFisto? What was it? McFisto. Yeah, McFisto. Fisto. Because it's Adam says, you're McFitso. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, here we go. Uh, 19. Bewitched, say la vie. That's a joke. That, I'm sorry. I'm not having it. I'm not having this at all. Why is that in the top 20 hour songs of all time? The people love it, Dave. That's a joke. Yeah. Well, all due respect to the. Bewitched. The, the four lasses in that band, but no. Terrible. They fall under the umbrella of. I've railed against this kind of thing before where it's like not everything has to become nostalgic Kitch. not everything was good not yeah. everything deserves a reappraisal just because you grew up with it also speaking of uh, umbrellas Don't Blame It On The Weatherman is their better song yeah of- actually that's a weird one well that could be you know top five We don't. you don't know yet <laughs> okay um, at 18 put them under pressure which I guess mm. is just it's there for the a lad like, I, it doesn't have an artist but I'm guessing I, I don't know who produced it <sighs> I don't. I don't know I mean like Put them under pressure. That's a bit of a jam. I mean, it's got... It's, it's a novelty song, though, so I don't know. And isn't it? It's like, the music to it is Horse Lips, Derek Doom, which is a better song as a standalone and isn't on this list. I don't know if novelty or event song should qualify. So far, by the way, we are like we're disagreeing with all of this list. Yeah, 17, Christy Moore, right on. I don't like it, but I understand its place in the canon. Well written. He's a good songwriter. Top 100? It'd be good number 100, wouldn't it? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'd give him 50 just for... Okay. Like, I wouldn't be my I choice, don't like but it, but I can understand why people like it. Yeah, 16, Van the Man, Morrison. Anti-vax legend, Van Morrison. Can you guess what song it is? Brown Eyed Girl. Yeah, which is like far and away just the one that everyone goes to and far and away not his best song whatsoever. <laughs> I mean, just like, what, what's his best song? Uh, what is it? Uh, I, what's the song that he put out? New record project. Latest record project. And why are you on Facebook? Was, was <laughs> yes. the song. Oh, yeah. no, a pertinent question to, in 2022 <laughs> to be fair. Uh, I'd have I'd have Sweet Thing probably as the number one Irish song of all time maybe. Wow. Yeah, it's incredible. I mean, anything off Astro Week. Astro Week is outstanding. Yeah. yeah, for a while it was tremendous. The Brown Eyed Girl. Yeah. Uh, 15 Hosier Take me to church Take me outside And fucking shoot me um, I Gigantic say, song Global it's, hit It's his best song I mean by quite it's some distance It's a very well written song It is a very well written song yeah. To be fair I, I will say like you know I do You know when it comes to this song I do I, I will give it thanks and praise Okay It <laughs> is It is good And I do like I think the opening lines Are very good I think, You know my you know, my lover's, clever my lover's, my lover's got humour She's the giggle at a funeral I, I, I've always liked that line and I can again, you know, I get it. It's 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 a it's a big boomy song that we all like, but it did unfortunately um, usher in an extremely bland career. So, you know, we have to live with that now. Speaking of bland careers, at fourteen, it's Westlife with World of Our Own. Uh, it's when you're looking like that, like like that. Yeah, it is yeah. when you're looking like that. That, that should be there, like. But also, our... it, that shouldn't be there. But you know, if you're picking <laughs> yeah, no, one, I agree. Yeah. I agree. Again, like 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 the, this is this is a very like. Imagine sticking this playlist on at like a barbecue. <laughs> like, Odd. Oh, Jesus. If I heard any of these songs so far played any like in a pub, Anywhere. I wouldn't go, as I was going in, I wouldn't go in. <laughs> okay. If I was going in to meet people, I would message the group and say, I can't make it tonight. Like, what, if it was someone's bir- what if it was someone's birthday or party or someone's leaving drinks and like you go in and like World of Our Own is playing? <sighs> I would stay for one and then leave. Fair enough. 
even though the song was finished just as a point of principle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was number 14, wasn't it? It was number 13. Oh, sorry, 14, yeah. yeah, yeah. 13 is Snow Patrol, Chasing Cars, not no, their best song. Christ, like, like, again, like, it's... These are, like, their mo- like everyone's most overplayed song. Like, Snow Patrol have got some very good songs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Run's again, amazing. Run is fantastic. Uh, Somewhere a Clock is Ticking is fucking brilliant. Um, and even, like... I don't know. Give me another one. <laughs> like, <laughs> give me another. Set the fire to the third bar. Uh, no, there, no. There's, there's other like deeper cuts that are well, just escaping like now single. that are really good. What's the one you love off one of the more recent albums? Oh, do I do I lo- do I love? A song? Well, maybe love is a bit of strong, a strong word, but I remember you talking <sighs> about one of the more recent albums. Gone. Actually, a certain album track is surprisingly good. That was a few years ago. Yeah, um, I interviewed him. It was on, around that time. I interviewed I think. him on the last album, and he was a great interviewee. I will say he was excellent. He was very candid. Open and uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, let me look that up. Uh, talk about chasing cars for a second. Uh, which I mean, like, look, it, it it works, doesn't it? But like, is it good? <laughs> no, <laughs> like, it's not good. Um, it's. Um, <laughs> it's I can't remember, which isn't a, a, a good thing to say, is it? I mean, like this, the album was called Wildness, and I remember, like maybe, like Don't Give In or Life on it. I can't remember, but like it's, I don't know, like they're not a bad band, but I never got the, I never got the kind of, um, oh, 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 I know what I do love. They got a song. It's like a three. It's like a, it's like a seventeen or eighteen minute song called That's the, the one called the Lightning Strike. The Lightning Strike, yeah. That's from a hundred million Suns in two thousand eight, and there's like three yes. songs in it, and the first part of that. Which I need to look up now because the first, like the first song of the three songs that are in one song, if that makes sense, is fucking amazing. <laughs> um, it's brilliant. So hang on, I'm gonna look that up now. The Lightning okay. Strike, Snow Patrol. Um, um, yeah. Right. So I will say we're, we're still at this, number thirteen. Sorry, what, what if this storm ends by Snow Patrol is great. Okay. So top twenty Irish songs of all time. Top ten. Top ten. Oh, sorry. No, oh, sorry. No. 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 Um. Uh, top fifty. Top 50 I mean that's I very good We are talking about An entire nation An you know entire history of music Do you know what we should do We should do our Top 20 Irish songs Like for like A special no encore episode Yeah sure right. Me and you that. teaming up To like actually fucking Nail it down Yeah yeah Let's try and do this Okay Alright I'll either, be for Either before the end of the year Or in the new year Yeah Yeah um, So at number 12 We've got a cover <laughs> Oh. Sharon Shannon and Mundy doing Steve Earle's Galway Girl. No. So, like, not an Irish song, but it's a be- it is an Irish song, but <sighs> is it should it count? I mean, the recording is Irish. Well, there's going to be I know, I know there's going to be one coming up in the top 5 that is a cover as well, so we we'll probably yeah, have, yeah. We'll have to allow. Um, I mean, everyone... kind of a terrible pub song, right? I mean, I I think the original has poignancy to it because it's about something. It's a good song. Like the original is good, short but the Mundy and Sharon and... song isn't about anything, is it? It's just a piss-up song. Yeah. Did very well though. Remember that was fucking everywhere? It was. It was used in kind of ads and stuff. And it's better than Ed Sheeran's song of the same name. Oh, of course, of course. But it's not um, touching. Well, like... that feature. Ed, you know, he could, he could play for the Republic of Ireland. You know, he's got the credentials. Get him in there, Stephen Kenny. All right. Number 11. A song I do not know. The Stunning, Brewing Up a Storm. Uh, you do know it. Um, oh, do I? I can't sing Sorry, it, but Steve. like... <laughs> Steve Wall, Steve Wall. <laughs> a famously quiet man. Um, I, you know it. Yeah, it's like I don't know it off, but like you, you've heard it. Like, is you, it good? Dave? I don't think so. Okay, if I can't fucking remember it, can I? I mean, well, it's the eleventh greatest Irish <laughs> song of all time. Right? Okay, Irish song of all time. Yeah. yeah okay. Top um, ten. Oh my god! I mean, technically not a cover, a reworking. Um, alternative national anthem Mark McCabe Maniac, Maniac 2000. 2000 I'd say he's oh, furious at this he probably <laughs> he's is he's like for God's sake no he's come around on it because I interviewed him a few times oh has um, he okay. and yeah, no, he, he's finally he's embraced it I think because he was like I've no other choice do I um, I mean 
it would make again if I did the top fifty or top one hundred Irish songs, I'd put it in there at number fifty or number one hundred. As a curio, as the curio, as like a you know, hey, yeah, no, I, I think it is. It's definitely part of the fabric of Irish society at this point. I, I know you're being funny. No, I mean, yeah. I kind of mean that, but it, no, it is. Like, I think, <laughs> I think it actually has. Cult- I can't even say this. It has cultural significance. If in, I was yeah. on a night out and it, like kind of pissed, and it came on. It would cheer me up probably. I remember one so time <laughs> I remember one time back in Drada, right? This is like about fucking oh man, this must be like twelve years ago. No. So I remember like I was walking my girlfriend at the time. I was walking uh shout out to my girlfriend at the time who I haven't spoken to in a long, very long time. Uh, I was walking her home or Dutch. <laughs> no, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> what are you up to? Um <laughs> I walked into a cab and in doing so walked by a nightclub uh, called Storm. Uh, or Storm uh, it's called Fire now though I believe oh, or uh, so Fire oh, sorry um, you were brewing up a storm were you uh, hey well I watched to a cab and I put hi Steve uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I walked by and Maniac 2000 was playing and yeah. I could hear it booming out of the, the venue you know and we kind of like went along with her for a while and then uh, eventually putting in a cab and going home and I came back that way so about half an hour had passed at this point maybe even longer I can't remember what, what I was playing again and I came or back still like, walked, walked back by storm and Maniac 2000 was playing again and I was like what's happening it's tremendous what is happening absolutely insane okay so that's number 10 yeah we've breached the top 10 um, number 9 Bagatelle Summer in Dublin can you remind me what this goes like no I can't I have no idea what the song is Bagatelle is an, like, I often hear that name yeah, and I hate the name so much. I, I was like, I yeah. refuse to yeah. listen I'm to the them. Same. I so hate I don't name. know. Adam, are you aware of? Bag- okay, we we'll pro- keep, keep trucking. Yeah. Um, number eight, the Undertones, Teenage Kicks. Yeah, it's brilliant. Top yeah. five. It's, I mean, probably it's easily one of the best Irish songs of all time. Finally, yeah. fucking hell! It took us what twelve <laughs> songs yeah. to, like to finally get one. <laughs> number seven, uh, Sinead O'Connor, nothing compares to you. Incredible should be, recording. Should be probably in the cover. top five. Yeah, it's yeah. exceptional. Uh, yeah, so covers are fine. Well, it's a cover, but like, it, it's a good cover. Yeah. She made her own, like, yeah. more so than yeah, anything. And it's astonishing. It is astonishing. I mean, like, you know, if you want to pick a different Sinead song, I think you can make a case for Mandinka, but like, mm. nothing compares to you. She's got a lot of great stuff, yeah. in fairness. Um, it's, it's, okay. If that was number one, I wouldn't be mad. Like, it's brilliant. It's fucking brilliant. Iconic, tremendous, still very moving, yeah. despite being overplayed. Number six, you two, where the streets have no name is their soul entry. That's it's, a surprising. Yeah pick do you reckon no it's a great it's a great song but like I didn't think that that would be the. I thought one, one. would have been the one yeah um, Sunday Bloody Sunday or something or like that Elevation <laughs> Vertigo uh, <laughs> um, I think where the streets have no name makes the most sense maybe okay. for opening track of their biggest album The Joshua Tree they take over the world is that the biggest it's album such The Joshua Tree I thought Octung Baby was the biggest album Oh, okay. Octung Baby sold a huge amount, but it's definitely the Joshua Tree, like right? Their, that was their US one, wasn't it? Yeah, that, like, that was like they're now the biggest album yeah. or the biggest band in the world. I thought yeah. it would have been one. I'm actually shocked it isn't one. Yeah. I'm glad it's Where the Streets of No Name, though. It's yeah, probably, it's I mean, a like, belter. And I do, think, I, I do think one is a great song, but um, Where the Streets of No Name is a great song, so yeah, fair enough. I mean, I don't know if it's that high up the list, but it, it, yeah, it's very good. Well, Dave, does it belong below Crazy World by Aslan? Oh, that, is that, this is number five, is it? Yes. Um, We're into the top five. It wouldn't be in my top five, but I do think it is a it's very a good song. Good, I think it's a very good song, and I think it has a huge place in Irish music. Yeah, and I think they do as well. To be fair to them, like I think they actually are a band that deserve their flowers, and uh, I, that that is a great song. Like yeah. it wouldn't be in my top five, but it would definitely be in my top fifty, and who knows, maybe even higher. Like it, it is a it is an excellent song. 
Um, Overplayed though, maybe. Yeah, I would have said this is. This is a great song. Well. Yeah. There, hence my pause. Yeah. But this is is probably the one that this gets is also, me more. Yeah, 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 it is a great song. But yeah, no, fair play to uh, fair play to Aslan. Fair play to Aslan. Um, number four. The Saw Doctors, N17. This is no business being in a top 10, a top yes. 20, a top 30. Like, lower half of a, of a, of a Irish 100, I would say. Yeah. Yeah, no, I don't. It's um, not It's not my... Not my job. not my bag, baby. No, not my tempo. Number three, iconic Thin Lizzy. The boys are back in town. Yeah, it's great. I don't know why I said it, it like that. <laughs> it's been it's been memed to death, which is no one's fault. Uh, yeah, it's it's a classic. Uh, again, wouldn't be in my top ten. Probably, yeah, probably one of the most known global Irish songs in terms of just like that's part of the world, the, the like the Rock world Rock culture. Rock. Like it's just it's. I prefer whiskey in the jar. Uh, I mean, I like a version lots of, of course. Thin Lizzy songs. Don't, <laughs> don't believe a word. Incredible, um, Sarah. They yeah. were a great band. They were. Um, I w- actually, I would have had uh, spoilers that it's not top two. I would have had Phil in its Old Town. I love that song. Yeah. Okay, in the top twenty somewhere. But yeah, Boys Are Back in Town kind of makes sense. Number two. Yeah, I know what this is. It's Dave's I, fave. I hate the song so much. The Pogues Fairy Tale New York. I hate it. It was always going to be there thereabouts though, wasn't yeah. it? Just in terms of. I mean, yeah, I love lots and lots of Pogue songs above this. I um, think there was a, Brown Eyes. I didn't see the TV show Brown of Lance this Hall. thing, the Ultimate Irish Playlist, but I believe our good friend May Kay did a performance of this song. Yeah. Because I just saw her tweet about it. I think she said, like, to people in my mentions who are mad that I didn't say the F word, you know, I'm not going to, essentially. And, you know, rightly so. We're not going to get into that fucking debate all over again. It shouldn't even be a debate. The Don't. Pogues have said it's not a debate. I know. But you know. like, still, it's it's coming. It, it, it's happening again. <laughs> Twin Peaks: The Return. Like, like we're coming up to the time of year where it's going to be once again. D- and that's just another reason why this song is becoming completely spoiled. I do like. I know you don't like it. It just. Out I of never context. did. I, I honestly, think it's a brilliantly written song. I, think I mean, it's listen. Very, very I mean, like, like, who am I to to tear it apart? I just. It doesn't. It it just it sets something off me. I just don't like it. I just don't. I don't. I can't stand it. People love it. I don't want to spoil their party. I just never liked it. Yeah. So, and not just because of that f- fucking use of that phrase. I just never liked the song at all. So Probably associated with a lot of, I mean, we're talking about Maniac 2000 coming on. I also associate it with Christmas and being in my and house. Just like and I, hate, I fucking hate like, Christmas. Yeah, yeah like, like I just played yeah. at the end of the night. And also, yeah, to be fair as well, and like, again, it's not the song's fault necessarily, but like, yeah, my idea of hell is being out in a fucking pub at yeah. Christmas, people doing their fucking 12 pubs and people just screaming this song. No. Just barricade me into a room and shoot me in the face. Why do I keep saying that? <laughs> well, well, do you know what? That is like <laughs> that is something you might want to do if you find yourself in, say, a zombie apocalypse, Dave. Oh, well. And that brings us to our number one: <laughs> the Cranberries. The wrong choice of their song. It's zombie. It's the number one. <laughs> Song um, on the Ultimate Irish playlist. I can't stand this song. Oh, and I, I love the Cranberries. I love this song. Oh no, man. I do. I've always loved this song. I remember. I remember when it came out, and I was extremely young. Mm-hmm. It's an earworm for sure. Yeah, it grates with me for some reason these days. I did like it at the time when I was very small, but now man, it's linger, man. Dreams, come dreams, on, yeah, dreams. dreams. They're all great. Um, I, 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 I do love Zombie. I, I don't think it's the best Irish song of all time, but I think it's. Uh, well, we'll do our top. 20 eventually and it would be high up on my list I think I think it's excellent yeah I is, is it the vocals is it the air it's too yeah it's too abrasive and not in the way it intends to be for me okay um, 
I think it's fantastic, and I, I was always very attracted to the guitar in it and the drums. I, I thought it sounded huge. Young Dave, seeing it on the fucking TV, was like, what is this? You know, it yeah. felt like proper alternative to me when I was, what, 10 or something? Yeah. Um, I, I don't mind the Cranberries being roundabouts there. You kind of forget how massive they were as well. Huge in America. In the US, like, yeah, yeah, she yeah, was yeah, just... Massive. Massive star. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that being number one, especially in this list. I mean, I think we can say it's a flawed, Oh, yeah, yeah. It's a oh, no, it's a, it's a great song. It's just, I just, it's not working for me anymore, but sure. That's all right. What does? Did we have any more news or are we, are we ready to hit the top we five? We are ready to okay. go back in time. Jesus. Okay. Um, Jesus. Jesus. <laughs> um, okay, yeah. Okay, fuck. It's top five songs from 1950s. What do you want to say? I want to say I really enjoyed putting together this list. Some weeks it's kind of stuff that you know and it's... A, n- a bit of a chore just to whittle it down, but this was a bit of a voyage of discovery, particularly after I realised a lot of the ones I assumed were going to glide straight into the top five. When I looked them up, it was like 1961, 1962, and I'm like, these are definite 50 songs. Like the big O, Roy Orbison. Yeah. I just assumed most of his big stuff was like late 50s. He was one of the early guys. He started then, but it's like... In Dreams, all the kind of very 50 sound and stuff is like 61, 62. Um, yeah, same for like Dion, Runaway Sue, I was going to have. I was going to have like Del Shannon. It was going to be great, Runaway. Um, I had to reassess. I had to delve back in. And yeah, as I say, it was a great week just wandering around listening to a lot of very kind of cliched 50 stuff, which yeah. was brilliant for transporting you back there. But also... I, I didn't quite realise or respect the variety of stuff that actually was kind of quite popular as well. There was a lot of, there was a lot of kind of like electronic music starting to happen. Mm-hmm. There was people taking chances. There was stuff that was more risque than I thought there would be. It wasn't like the quaint, innocent time that prob- probably people think of. What about you? How'd you get on? I, I mostly stuck to the quaint, innocent time that people mostly think of. But that's nice though, isn't it? You get, I really it's do kind like of magical. It. Like yeah, it's, it's tra- yeah. I, I find it transportative and it also was, and obviously like, you know, this is usually where I lean. Yeah, a lot of my top five comes from stuff I saw in movies, of course, and like, you know, films set in that time period or, you know, kind of trying to recreate that kind of feeling. And I, I there, yeah, I think there's an innocence that permeates because it kind of it made me think of songs what I would have heard when I was younger. Now, look, I, well, I was born in the 80s. I wasn't born in the 50s. But like, you know, you'd still hear songs here and there. And I was, I was just thinking there's something very strange about a lot of these early rock and roll songs and the more throwbacky songs where it's just like, you know them all, right? Mm-hmm. But then I'm kind of thinking like, so they were ju- were they just being played a lot more on the radio when we were extremely small? Or how do we know them all yeah. by proxy? It's almost like they're in your DNA, like all these very again. I think you know, pop culture has a lot to do with it. I mean, like I, I think like, like and a lot of gangster films as well will have like fifty stuff, and it's just kind of like. Also, know. I realized a lot of um, like radio jingles, which would use the ch- what we did just there with yeah, Bono's yeah. masterwork, where it's like like North like Buddy Holly stuff, like <laughs> Northside, Northside, great great shopping center, like all that. <laughs> yeah. stuff, all those songs are ruined because. Bono's masterwork, but it's our masterwork now, Craig. So, yeah. <laughs> um, can I start it this week because I want to kind of like I think that like literally even like the thirty seconds, the first thirty seconds of this song completely set the tone All for right. yeah, for yeah, the fifties and also for my I guess interpretation interpolation of it. And of course, look, yeah, upfront, it isn't a decade I know like the back of my hand. There's a lot here that you know I, I did a lot of research this week. I learned a lot of new stuff. Uh, I heard a lot of new stuff I never heard before. But I in the end I kind of went with stuff that I did know. Um, and I think that. This one, for example, like, you know, if someone said, hey, Dave, what do the 50s sound like? I would say this. No, I 
It's so much of the, the, these kind of tunes just instantly make you smile. Yeah, like they're really good, but there's just a, so a vibe. I, that start like just like the dun 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 dun. Like I can see the guy stepping up to the old time microphone yeah. in the studio. That, like I, I visual this song is a visual to me. It's Dion and the Belmonts and the my song, boy, yeah, yeah Dion the, who yeah Dion Demucci. So the song is song. I wonder why. Now I will say what I what I wanted to pick by Dion and to my horror it was released in 1961. I wanted to pick The Wanderer. Oh, right. So I was going to go with Runaway Sue and you that, were going to go with The Wanderer. Yeah. Um, and like there's there's more. I mean, like like, like there's tons of, you could, you could it's, it's a deep well, I think. Yeah. Even though, like, you I mean, the tracks are very slight, I guess. This is a slight song in the sense that it's quite short. A lot of, a lot of these songs can be. Um, yeah. And it is kind of, I think there's a lot of this similar sentiment going around the 50s. It's a lot of like, you know, I mean, like, is there a case to be made here that this is like men learning to be vulnerable or something? I mean, like. A lot of these songs are about very love struck and so yeah. love struck, like wistful. Where, like, why? Where's my honey? Where's my girl? Or like, you know, I wonder why I love you like I do. You yeah, know? it's just like like it's the the internal wrestling of the soul, Craig. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, Dion and the Belmonts were a trio. Uh, they're from the Bronx, uh, and this, of course, uh, song is in a Bronx tale that Chaz Palminteri yeah. directed film that he's in, which I didn't or, or did De Niro direct it? De Niro's in it. I think he directed it as well. Um, and I remember like that was a, that was a film I would have seen a lot in the 90s. I thought it was awesome. I don't know how good it is today. I think it's in The Sopranos, maybe even the very first episode possibly and a whole bunch of other stuff. Um, it's, it's one of those ones that just kind of stands the test of time and follows you around with it. Um, the Belmonts, they all lived on Belmont Avenue or two of them did, I think, two of the four singers. Um, essentially, there was four at a certain point. So like, Dion, in speaking of the Belmont, said, I'd give him sounds. I'd give him parts and stuff. That's what I wonder why it was about. We kind of invented this percussive rhythmic sound. If you listen to that song, everyone is doing something different. It was totally amazing. When I listen today, oftentimes I think, man, those kids are talented. He's still alive, Dion Dimitri, by the way. Yeah, he's, um, tr- I love his voice so much. And I love a 70s album he put out. He had like a comeback album, which I don't think did anything commercially, but it's I think it's called Born to Be With You. But there's a song on it called Only You Know, which is one of my absolute favourite songs ever. It's, his voice is so good. Okay, yeah, I, don't think, I don't think I know that one. I must check it out. But yeah, I just, there's a, there's a carefree innocence to this and also a serious melancholy. And I guess like, look, I don't know, I mean, like, this sounds like a weird thing to say, but, like, I find myself thinking about Quantum Leap episodes I would have watched when I was a kid, and yeah. surely there was an episode where you went back to the 50s and had to be part of a fucking doo-wop group or something. That If there wasn't, what a missed opportunity. But so much of the 50s, obviously, for someone who's born 30-odd years later, has to be viewed through a prism of pop culture and nostalgia. And I gotta wonder, like, do these songs work because of that? Because on the surface, they're really light, but there is a weight to them. And even, like, listening to this one over and over again, as I was this week because like I say it's very short it really does kind of get under your skin yeah so that's my number five it's a really good number five my number five is it's got a definite dollop of vulnerability but this time with a bit of a a wink and a nudge I suppose you know that gypsy with the gold cap too she's got a pad on 34th and vine selling little bottles of love potion number nine I've been this way since 1956 
she looked at my palm and she made a magic sign. She said, What you It's the Clovers with Love Potion number nine. And as Adam just pointed out, which was, I was just thinking when I was listening to her on the bus on the way here, that piano was great. Just like that twirling kind of, um, there's a little grin to it. It's great. It's very it's like, addictive. It's very like a Spanish guitar kind of thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Taking for like the Telly Sabalas kind of. That's a that's a great shout. Yeah. Um, I included this. It's a it's a kind of early-ish R&B song. Um, probably because I ended up just going, okay, I could include like really um, culturally significant songs and kind of talk about like how, you know, represent the 50s as a decade. But I just came down to the songs that I would genuinely stick on for pleasure and I think hold up. And I love the writing on this. This is a Lieber and Stoller song. So they're one of the like famed um, Brill building songwriting partnerships. I think they were California based, but they wrote like Hound Dog. They did like a lot of early Elvis stuff. They did Yakety Yak. They had a lot of humor and all their stuff, as you can hear with this. The band, The Clovers, they also had a bit of a hit with an early version of Blue Velvet. Um, which is like extremely 50s. I didn't include that because I think the Bobby Vinson one is probably the best version. That's early 60s. Um, but yeah, I just, I dig this. I It's an example of um, how horny the 50s were as well. <laughs> like there were so many songs where I'm just like, like this thing of just like, and a weird kind of a cultish vibe to a lot of the songs. Like there's a haunting quality. There's like a, a dark underbelly to a lot of the stuff like lyrically where it's this guy is like going out to find an elixir to try and make people fall in love with him. And basically what happens is he just gets completely drunk on it and starts coming on to people. He ends up coming on to a cop and I think he gets arrested. Um, but yeah, it's it's kind of the flip of like... I put a spell on you or that like that genre of just like trying to use nefarious means to um you know find romance and stuff and I dig that genre there's yeah there's there was some other like I think there's there's a song called it might just be called Love Me it's by the Phantom Band but it's another very raw example of just like risque-ish lyrics pushing the boundaries a bit having some fun with it and yeah I think it's just good to remind ourselves that our grannies and granddads were kind of freaks when they wanted to be, you know? <laughs> um, before we continue with the list, can I just bring your attention to a disturbing tweet I have just seen? What have I said now? It's not. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, the maths in this are making my head spin, and I don't. Uh, it's not okay, Craig. Are you ready for this? Are you, yeah. Are you? Okay. Someone on Twitter has said, overheard a university student say, quote, Arctic Monkeys were my dad's favorite band when I was little, end quote. The passage of time is relentless, unfathomable, cruel, and unforgiving. <laughs> How does that... What? No, it doesn't work. I don't understand. Is that... Hold on. Like, a university student? Yep. So 17 at earliest. Um, you Well, at earliest, yeah. Yeah, you'd assume so. So 2005? They came... 2005, 2006? So would have been out? 2006? Yeah, it works. Yeah. Does it work? <laughs> it works. 2006, yeah. <laughs> Oh my Just god. What the fuck? Yeah. Oh no. I mean, we could be dads. They need I'm not suggesting. They need out five. Someone. Oh, I mean, like, they, yeah. Someone well, has replied, right, with like a. I guess, it's, stuff from I guess it's like a cut from my enemy or something. And it says Lucy Stevens, 20, student, listening to Pixies, Wave of Mutilation. Quote yeah. They remind me of when I was little because my grandparents always used to play them. <laughs> 
What? And it says wearing top shop top Levi's jeans. Something's <laughs> never going to stop. Meanwhile, I'm talking about like our grandparents listening to 50 stuff. Well, maybe it's appropriate. And yeah. here's my number four, which again, I guess, experienced first through a film and again, like evocative massively of the time. And I love again. Like, there's so much visual in this. I mean, like, like when I when I when I hear this song, I see this song, and I see I see four people crowded around the same microphone type thing. So here we go. Oh, oh, Earth Angel, Earth Angel, please be mine, my darling dear. Love you all the time. I'm just a Earth Angel by the Penguins. Yeah, I love this one. And it is uh, their biggest hit by quite some distance. An unexpected hit as well. It was released in October of 1954. It was originally recorded as a garage demo and it was produced by Dootsie Williams who later had a very uh, bitter legal dispute with the band over who owned the rights to the song, yeah. essentially. Another story. Um, yeah, I guess that would have been a big thing, right? I mean, especially like, like, like you know, you think about El- the Elvis stuff as well. I mean, like lots of artists maybe being taken advantage of by... Hugely, it all starts here, yeah. Because like, I guess maybe it's the business of music is 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 developing at that point mm-hmm. and like people don't know what management is or what contracts are essentially so this is their only hit apparently it sold over 10 million copies jesus massive hit across the decade um and in 2005 it was one of 50 recordings chosen by the library of congress in the states to be added to the national recording registry deeming it culturally historically or aesthetically important i think it's all of those things myself um so yeah i mean like, it's hard to kind of track down there's different like like the origins of the song differ and like people have said I wrote it about this. And then someone else says, no, I wrote it. And I wrote it about that. So Dootsie Williams reportedly wrote the song for his wife. And another member of the band rewrote the melody as he disliked the original, which is quite the uh, (laughs) slap down there, I must be said. Uh, Yeah, a literal garage demo. And it just went on to become this fucking thing. There's a a lovely little kind of anecdote about how when they were recording it, the drums were muffled with pillows so as not to overwhelm the vocals. Uh, And a neighbor's pet dog kept barking and they had to stop every time. And like set up their obviously very rudimentary recording equipment and start all over again, um, but yeah, like it's it's very very popular in pop culture. I Back to the Future, it's in that of course, and that must be where I first heard it. Um, A perfect film, according to Quentin Tarantino. I don't know if I agree with that. Yeah. Is he... I've he's seen it in a minute. He's, he's, is that him promoting his new book, is it? Yeah, he's got a book about cinema out, um, which I would be interested in reading. He was on... Um, Jimmy Kimmel or something like that and he listed kind of top of his head just some perfect films it wasn't definitive as a list I mean Back to the Future is a perfect film for an awful lot of people like and again huge nostalgia buzz yeah. um, so this was their biggest hit by a mile um, Cleveland Duncan who was the song's lead vocalist said uh, I think he's since passed but he said um, in a quote I never get tired of singing it as long as people never get tired of hearing it which I think is a beautiful beautiful sentiment and yeah. again we're looking at like very romantic, very wistful, very longing kind of song here. Uh, Earth Angel. Imagine saying that now to a girl. You're in the, my Earth in, Angel. In the Workmans. Yeah. <laughs> like, in the Workmans. Yeah. Well, I assume the Workmans <laughs> is the uh, ice cream social of the of 2022, isn't it? Sure someone has passed the door with the Twitter tag at, at Earth Angel. Maybe. Who has been to the Workmans before. Yeah. 100%. 
I mean, yeah, there, like right now. I feel like Earth Angel is probably some startup that's you know. <laughs> <laughs> Please yeah, don't go Google on. it; it could be anything. Um, I'd say a, they sell yurts. A critical appraisal said the song is a simple but elegant recording, now judged by many to be the one of the finest examples of what would become doo-wop. So extremely influential, and another one. Los Angeles Times said it was a nostalgic uh, evocation of post World War II youth culture, which of course we wouldn't know about Craig because we're you know. What are we? I'm a millennial. Are you a millennial? Yeah, I think we're all millennials. I think millennials ends at 97, 96, 97. Okay. And I'm not sure when they start, 83, 84? I think I'm just in there, yeah, yeah. somewhere. But, um, yeah. Probably slightly earlier, actually. Love this, love this song, and I love the, um, you know, I love how you go back to the recording production of the time, and mm. it's like, you know, you can remaster the fuck out of it, but I don't want you to. I want to yeah, hear I love the vibe. all those little kind of, like you know, like imperfections, I suppose. Yeah, all these gigantic hits that kind of sound like a Guided by Voices song. Lo-fi, <laughs> smash hits. So that's uh, Earth Angel by the Penguins. It's great. Great choice. Uh, I wanted to get in some old-fashioned rock and roll. The problem I had was that kind of thing, as I was saying, where they've just been used so much for jingles, and you know all the melodies that they see seem very simplistic now and also the thing of like there was so much nicking of like Bo Diddley riffs and I'd go to certain songs and be like oh, this is just a facsimile of something else that came before I did find a bunch of stuff that's like very raw and like interesting and do you know what? I'll probably actually do a playlist and stick it on Patreon or something but like Johnny Burnett trio just listen to one of those songs you're like this sounds like the Stooges in the 50s it's incredible but I had to include something a bit more buttoned up um, glasses on bit of a legend gone too soon here he is Holly, uh, Rave On, my favourite Buddy Holly song. There's some really good stuff in the catalogue as well that were like new enough discoveries for me. Words of Love is a great song, if people don't know it, uh, one he wrote himself. And the way he like double tracks his vocal and guitar, I think he recorded it maybe at home initially. It sounds like the start of Dream Pop. He's just like whispering really close to the mic and you're just like, Jesus Christ, this guy was an artist. Passed away at 22 in a plane crash, um, along with the big bopper, and Richie Valens, who I think was like 17, but also a major star. And Chantilly Lace, is that a big bopper song? Yes, I believe so. Um, Jerry Lee Lewis had a hit with Chantilly Lace as well. There was a lot of cover versions at the time. This is a cover um, of a song by Sonny West, who I didn't know. I went to his version and it's not great at all. It's very, very mannered. It feels like it belongs to like the 40s or something. Just even the way he like over enunciates everything. It's because you wouldn't think like Buddy Holly is raucous or particularly rock and roll, but when you hear the original version, you're like, this guy's really cutting loose. <laughs> um, and I think like he was a great guitarist, a great arranger, was doing interesting kind of down strumming stuff and also playing quite sophisticated kind of licks. I don't know, he was definitely very innovative, and I think he's he started 
so I've just said he, you know, um, invented dream pop. I think he might have invented indie rock in terms of the looks, like the whole thing of like the glasses. He was the first kind of relatable star of the era. We wouldn't have Spectre without him. <laughs> Spectre. Made <laughs> <laughs> a few tunes. Yeah, I think he invented indie rock. You know, you could just be a bit buttoned up and uh, angular guitars and all that kind of stuff. I also, just when I was listening to Buddy Holly stuff, I was like, I don't think I've ever heard him speak. Like apart from the kind of very caricature Buddy Holly voice. Yeah. Um, so I dug out a radio interview. I've got a little clip, Adam, if you can co- pull it up there. Um, it's just kind of fascinating to hear him in like, so I think this is 58 and it's just, it's a couple of months before he passed away. He's like 22, 21, 22 years old. And he's already a gigantic star. star. He's in like North Carolina talking to some DJ. And yeah, this made me smile because some of the questions being asked are like, oh God, these are very, very simple questions. He's being very gracious. It's kind of funny. Got a kick out of it. Here we go. Sold quite a bit. Do you know the total number of all your records, how much they've sold so far? Uh, we don't have any idea, Ronnie, what's sold. We figure somewhere around... Four or five million somewhere along there. Four or five million. Tremendous volume of records. Uh, how many are in your group? There's three of us. Uh, two, the Crickets, and mm-hmm. yourself. How did you happen to get started? Well, we uh, met in high school, I guess you'd say, in Lubbock, Texas. That's our hometown, and we all went to the same high school there and started playing together there. Long star state. Uh-huh. Uh, how old are you? I'm 22. And what about the Crickets? Well, uh, Jerry Allison, the drummer, is 19, and Joe Malden, the bass player, is 18. 18. Uh, and listening to you, buddy, it seems like y'all could do something in jazz. Have you ever tried anything along that line? <laughs> no, we hadn't. It's strange that you should say that, because uh, we've always made it a point to more or less not like jazz, actually, and it's kind of in... Uh, in conjunction with rock and roll in one way, and then it's kind of against it in a way. You know? <laughs> yeah, that's so true. I didn't mean to imply that your music you've played so far, I don't know, for some reason you sort of strike me as a jazz man <laughs> for some reason. Well, uh, it's probably the glasses or something. <laughs> it could be. Brubeck, man. <laughs> Uh, do you have any special plans for the future? No, we don't. Strike me as a jazz man. <laughs> well, I tell you, like the art of interviewing has come a long way. I know. I'm not saying I'm no, perfect did, or nothing. In terms of, I did think... Because initially you're going to go, why didn't you Wikipedia them beforehand? Yeah, yeah, but of yeah, course, you've got yeah. no information on them, even though they're selling like loads of records. Yeah, yeah. Different times. Uh, maybe but, a pre-interview. Um, I just, I find the way they even spoke back then very like soothing or something. I know. <laughs> I was really enjoying cool. that. Yeah. Um, Sion, he said he was 22. He was 22 when he died, right? Yeah. So 20, 59, yeah. It was, 22. Yeah. Uh, plane crash. Plane crash. He got married like a couple of months before. And like, I think the priest that did the wedding did his funeral like Jesus um, yeah, Christ fucking unbelievable yeah um, oh man I've actually I've actually never heard him interviewed before apart from just there and I was so taken with that yeah I wanted to keep I wanted to keep listening to like, yeah, it I was yeah. like, like he's such a there was, there was a beautiful grace to him there yeah. like yeah. oh fuck's sake um, uh, real quick before we move on I did mention the band Spectre there <laughs> if anyone has never heard of their UK band that Craig interviewed once that were supposed to be big and then never really were um, check out their song Sh- uh, Chevy Thunder Chevy Thunder it's which great. is a very 50s oh title oh my as god well. it really is and check out their song All the Sad Young Men because it's yeah, also a good song great songs well. anyway uh, we'll move on now and you said that you wanted to kind of get some rock and roll in well oh, can yeah. I interest you Craig in the architect of rock and roll here we go <laughs> Oh, baby. Yes, baby. Ooh, baby. 
I found myself in a helicopter with Arnold Schwarzenegger and a bunch of swarthy military <laughs> oh, and a bunch of swarthy military men looking to take down some kind of alien figure, some, a predator, if you will. Um, I, I would want Long Tall Sally by Little Richard playing yeah. as I flew into battle. Um, yeah, the architect of rock and roll, apparently. This song has been covered by the Beatles, the Kinks and Elvis Presley. Who else can say that about their music? Not many, I'd say. No. Uh, I read a quote from Mick Jagger about Little Richard and he said that when he finally got to see him live, uh, he said that he'd heard tell, you know, of this incredible, unbelievable live show that, like, just resulted in bizarre religious experiences yeah, from the yeah. crowd and the, almost like people levitating in the room itself. And he was like, yeah, whatever. And then, of course, when he finally got there, he finally, finally got some sweaty club or something. And he was like, it was all true. He was like, it was unbelievable. I'd never wow. seen anything like it. Um, was it Richard insane, do we think? Because he had this unbelievable, like, he seemed to be pure electricity. Anytime yeah. he sat at a piano, um, in insanely influential, like ridiculously so. And also like someone who came of age in an, er in an era of flagrant racism oh and God, experienced yeah. so much of it. Like there's like stories of even when he has like ridiculous success in the world of music, he still has to get people to go into like stores because he can't go into white only white only stores um, as, you know, as the decades would go on. Now, I do believe he also had a fairly you know, questionable personal life in some respects. I mean, Not yeah. quite the Jerry Lee Lewis level, but not far off, um, I think, you know. And kind of similar to Jerry Lee Lewis in terms of that performance thing of just being electrifying, almost unbelievable on stage mm, and just, mm. you can kind of get why the older generations would have been hearing some of these songs and being like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. what is this? Yeah, that kind of like, in that, like, like that hilarious scene from the Elvis movie when uh, Tom Hanks hears Elvis for the first time and is <laughs> delighted to find that he's white, can't believe it. Oh, Questionable scene. Good movie though. Um, but yeah, Little Richard broke all kinds of barriers um, and... I mean, did he invent a genre? Like, I mean, like, can you like, like, can you talk about rock and roll without talking about him? Like, is you definitely it... can't. I mean, Little Richard, Chuck Berry, Bo Diddley. But then I always think they were obviously influenced by other people as well. So mm -hmm. where, how far back do you go? I mean, it all goes back to Delta Blues, I guess. I don't know. The Big Bang, Craig. That's where it goes. Yeah. Um, I can't claim to be a Little Richard expert. Um, I, I've seen numerous performances in passing over the years, and like I say. Never a dull moment. And I think the song fucking rules, by the way, Long Tall Sally. It's just, it's a shot of pure adrenaline. Yeah. And it feels like it's in a race with itself. You know, it's just like, it's trying to outrun itself constantly. The listener can barely keep up. Organized chaos. It's yeah. incredibly it's exciting. Like it's, it's fucking, it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's go back to some R&B with, um, we're talking about people getting done over money wise. Um, there's a bit of a story with this one. And also, thematically, it fits. Your love give me such a thrill But your love don't pay my bills I need uh, uh, yeah. That's what I want That's Barrett Strong with money, brackets, that's what I want. And this is probably a song that's like closing out the 50s and ushering in a new era because it was the first, I think it was the first big hit for Motown, Tabla Motown. Um, coming out of Detroit, it was co-written by Barry Gordy who founded Motown and 
they'd been like they already had a studio in Detroit called like Hitsville and they weren't having many hits it wasn't quite working until this and it started with Barrett Strong who was like a musician with uh, the organisation just kind of doing bits and bobs stumbling upon this piano riff and being like Barry Barry I've got something like and they just started working on it it came together so quickly that apparently two like white guys heard them playing something came in off the street this is the way Barry Gordy tells it picked up like a guitar and like got behind some drums and played along featured on the track and then left and they've no idea who they were <laughs> never <laughs> saw them again I'm like what? <laughs> never came calling for some royalties? Or like... <laughs> I don't know I don't know but um, <laughs> Barrett Strong didn't quite get the royalties he deserved either or that he felt he deserved it turned out that like a year or two after this came out like his name was just taken off really? the credits and it was gone for like decades it was put back on and then disappeared and like Why? I think Barry Gordy was like oh yeah that was an oversight the, yeah, there was fishy stuff um, Bart Strong didn't really become a star after this he um, he kind of saw the likes of Smokey and Robinson coming along after this and they generally had this star power and he was like this isn't going to work for me so he went and got like a, an office job he was convinced to come back as a songwriter which he eventually did and he co-wrote like um, what did he write Heard it through the grapevine oh, um, what a song Papa was Rolling Stone I think he wrote like, loads of those monster songs or co-wrote them and then you see like I was like did he get his money for those it seems like he did get royalties for them but then you see stuff of like and he immediately sank it all into like a recording studio that failed and I'm just like this oh, guy no. fucking huge talent couldn't catch a break but um Bottled magic with this one. I just love it. And I love the sentiment of it. It's just twisting that thing of like all the s- songs of the era being like, you know, you don't need money. You just need love. <laughs> so give me my fucking money. Yeah. The attitude to it is very, very modern. I don't know if that's a good thing. It is a good thing, I think. It's very empowering. It's good. Yeah, no, um, it's more about responding to the world that is constructing itself around you. Um, yeah, know your worth, I suppose. Yeah, it's an outstanding song. Uh, also, the name Barrett Strong is a phenomenal name as well. Yeah, Great name. That um, voice as well. Could be a wrestler, you know. Um, Barrett Strong. I love this song. I love this song so much. I think it's a perfect song. I didn't pick it because oh. because I've previously picked it. Oh, right, right I picked right. it previously. I'm pretty sure I'm right here in top five exit music for a film. Right. Because it has, it is, it is part of one of my favorite endings to a film ever which is Killing Them Softly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Brad Pitt movie from the director Andrew Dominic from, I want to say, God, was it 2011 or something, but it's set in 2008, maybe 2012. Uh, A gangster film. A very, very bleak gangster film. Very much about the admin of crime. Uh, Hell of a cast. Brad Pitt's in it. The late Sam Shepard, Ben Mendelsohn, Ray Liotta, Scoot McNary. I'm probably forgetting somebody. It's it's a it's uh, uh, James Gandolfini's in it. Um, it's a great film. It's really really grubby and grimy and nasty, but it's quite excellent. And the ending of the film, it's very unsubtle as well. Like there's this like it's set in 2008. Richard Jenkins is in it. It's like set like you know as Obama's coming up and yeah. like you know poverty is coming around. There's a lot of TVs with like kind of Obama giving speeches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, and like it's 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 a guess, Andrew. We get it, but I think it's actually quite it's effective. Yeah. And the last scene in the movie, spoilers, is Brad Pitt in a bar and he's literally like not happy with the amount of money he's been given for the job he's done. And he gives a speech to Richard Jenkins' character and it's this incredible monologue. It's so written and he delivers it incredibly and then he goes, now fucking pay me. And then it 
black screen, black credits, and then this comes on. Yeah. And it's tremendous. perfect. It's just perfect. Like written for the screen and directed by Andrew Dominic. I love it. And I love it so much. It's fucking great. And I got excited when it came on there. But I'm glad. I wonder how many 50 songs we've picked previously. So I was thinking uh, it probably been not that many. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Come Adam, on, Adam. Adam you love good. a spreadsheet. Adam is good at, at, at tracking I stuff know. down, but that might be a little bit beyond. I think we had Rumble in Link controversial. Ray's, Link Ray's Rumble. Yeah, I didn't pick that because I knew you picked it. Yeah, which yeah. is great as well. And oh, sorry, we had Istanbul. Oh, I had Istanbul by the Four Lads, which is one of my favorite songs of all time. Mm-hmm. That'd be my number one. But yeah, that and was I should fun. say spoiler. I, I'm about to go to my number two here, but I should say my number one is a song I've picked before on okay. no on no ox chord. Ooh. But I couldn't leave it off for the, for the main. Okay. I, thought, I thought that was fair. Yeah. Number two for me. Um, I asked Craig how he would feel about having a cover of a song that didn't come out in the 50s but was recorded in the 50s and it was famous. And Craig said that will probably be okay. In the end, I didn't pick that cover. Oh. So what that, was that going to be? Well, I'll explain because uh, I picked the same artist. Uh, so here's the artist, here's an original, and we'll talk about the whole thing now in a moment. Until then, I'll go to sleep and dream again. That's the only thing to do. Till all my lover's dreams come true. Because I want a girl to call. Darren with Dream Lover. Yeah. You got was, go on. Okay. Was it gonna be Mac the Knife? No, Beyond the Sea. Beyond the Sea, yes. Yeah. So good. Which is also a, Dion did a version of Dream Lover. That makes sense. Yeah. Did Roy Orbison? Because like this is so Orbison, oh, right? Probably. I mean, yeah, I mean it's I about dreams, that, you know. Like Beyond the Sea, right? Can, can you look up Beyond the Sea? Because I'm pretty sure Beyond the Sea was written in the forties, covered by Bobby Darren. Yeah. And then there was that film about Bobby Darren called Beyond the Sea. Yeah. So why would you name it after a cover? Was it that widespread? Do you know who played Bobby Darren in that film? I don't. And he was too old to fucking do it. <laughs> Go on. It was Kevin Spacey. <laughs> I remember that now. Yeah. Because yeah, I've seen shots of it. It was a passion like project a for Kevin Spacey because yeah, it clearly yeah. loves Bobby Darren. And Kate Bosworth is his young wife. And it's yeah. like, I remember working in extra in the time being like, this doesn't seem right to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I think because, you know, you're still so early on in... I mean, obviously recorded music's been around for a while at this point, but like the industry, as you said, was getting itself together. You get a lot of songs that have been knocking around for 20, 30 years, finally getting their like definitive version here where they actually sold a shitload and people remember them by that. Like I tried to steer clear of them a bit, like but something like, you know, My Funny Valentine, Chepe, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So Beyond the Sea, right, is the English language version of a French song called Le Mer mm-hmm. by Charles Trenet. So yeah. popularized by Bobby Darren in 1959. So hmm, have I ha, have I have I booked myself into corner? Like Le Maire was recorded in 1945, but I guess it's a slightly different interpolation of it. So I guess I could have picked it as. I mean, I guess it's an original of sorts, but it is. Yeah. It is. A, it's based on another song. Dream, it's a 50s song. It's a very that sounds 50s very song 50s and very you know <laughs> very Americanized and and, and and in fairness, Beyond the Sea is brilliant. Like it's fucking incredible. But so is Dream Lover, and I think we're in similar territory here to the first two songs I picked here on the list, like the Dion and the Belmonts one and the Penguins one, and it's just that kind of thing of like you know. I'm unsure of this romance I'm, I'm experiencing, or like I'm, 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 I'm wanting for some ethereal girl, and like, like that kind of very like you know, it's always just out Peter of reach. Andre, yeah, yeah, it's it's and, and it's gorgeous. It's so sweeping. I think like oh. it's just real kind of like, and I do love. I, I piano love, again, isn't it? It's yeah, great. Neil Sedaka, as I may have mentioned already. Um, 
I love and like I think a lot of the songs we've had here, including the one that you just played there, um, money open brackets. That's what I want. Close brackets. Um, I love the stop starts of these songs. Like it feels yes. almost like like it's meant like like are these songs that you dance to? But you're certainly meant to be like kind of like wrong footed by them or something. Um, gorgeous, gorgeous stuff. And also, unfortunately, another instance of a of a, uh, a an artist gone too soon. Yeah, Bobby Darren died at the age of thirty seven following a heart operation of all things so you know kind of timeless in terms of his music and you're right yeah Dion Demucci put out his version of Dream Lover in 1961 mm. so um, I have a covers list if you would a covers list of, of Dream Lover and genuinely two of the well one hasn't shocked me but one really has alright like Cradle of Filth or something in here is not it? quite cool. Misfits <laughs> I can see that Misfits. That makes sense, yeah. I think, yeah. right? Yeah, Misfits, Misfits love that kind of shit. Yeah, like, so. you're getting back to rockabilly and that's all really yeah, 50s. That yeah, sense, that makes yeah. sense. I that think. makes sense. Cliff Richard in 2012. Ugh. Wow. And our homeboy, Daniel O'Donnell. Of course. Oh, of course, yeah. We Daniel. also had Don McLean, um, yeah, yeah. Firebirds, Johnny Nash. Is Daniel O'Donnell or Cliff Richard, though? That's the question. Oh, I think he's far better <laughs> as a man. Okay. <laughs> I, um, I, just a quick Daniel, Daniel O'Donnell anecdote in the background here. I, I was in my grandmother's house, like, finding old records. It was, like, a, a big load of old records. Yeah. And one of them was a Daniel O'Donnell record, and the cover is one of the greatest things I've ever seen in my life. It's him, like, shirtless. I've seen this, I think. Denim. Oh, I've seen this, yeah. yeah, yeah it's yeah, incredible. Yeah, yeah. so good. We gotta get you a microphone, Adam. By the way, like, why don't you have one? This is. I like to project. Uh, I don't know. I people don't know. enjoy it, though. Do I they? think, right? Yeah, I think people like the kind of slightly off micishness of it. Maybe, um, maybe. Joe Dolan was our Cliff, right? Probably. Joe Dolan was our Johnny Cash. <laughs> <laughs> More on that when we get to yeah. our top twenty. I didn't pick Johnny Cash. <laughs> I didn't did go Falls in Prison Booze. Um, I, I did go for another big hitter. I was looking for one that was a little under the radar. After I realised my favourite song of his was from '61 as well. Um, so I did a little digging and, and I found this absolute gem. See the signs stripped and cleaned before your eyes. And ready to cook Crawfish Now take Mr. Crawfish In your hand He's gonna look good In your frying pan If you fry him crisp Or you boil him right He'll be sweeter than sugar Yeah we're back in sexy territory Even though it's also fishy territory um, it's Elvis Presley with Crawfish um, from the film King Creole, which I think was his third film. And I've definitely seen like years ago when I think BBC used to just show constant Elvis films because they probably got them cheap or something. Yeah. Uh, because I, I stuck on the scene and I was like, oh, yeah, I remember like the ambience of this film. Uh, it was actually got pretty good reviews as well. People were like, this Elvis guy's got something. <laughs> um, You're going to be a star, kid. And the opening, the opening is brilliant, right? So it's this kind of New Orleans set thing. There's a bit of a like love triangle going on. He's a bit like down on his luck. He's just kind of coming out of high school. And... It opens with him just like looking out his window and getting ready for the day. And um, they're kind of, there's people in New Orleans, like life is kind of kicking into gear. There's food out in the streets. People are like shouting about their wares. And you've got this woman just kind of shouting crawfish. And he's like 
echoing back crawfish and uh, getting dressed and the lyrics about like preparing the fish and like it being stripped and clean you're like you're just singing about yourself Elvis (laughs) (laughs) it's very but his yeah Adam was just saying like the vocal performance doesn't seem very Elvis like or he's quite a flexible kind of singer like he's there's some interesting stuff in his back catalogue I love his approach to this I think it's just cool as hell I've been listening to it a lot there's other kind of Elvis gems out there Black Star which I think we mentioned previously um, his Hawaiian album is great as well it's a good vibe and yeah I would say like check this out with the opening scene from that film it's just on YouTube and you're just like all of the kind of nonsense around Elvis falls away and you're just like this guy was magnetic do you know what I mean um, kicking off like prepping for this top five I stuck on a YouTube video of like it's about a 20 minute long video of the biggest song in every month of the 50s and it just goes on like small clips it's really good just to kind of get you into the zone and there's some weird stuff there but like it seems very much like a different world and then about 56 Elvis breaks through and you're like this man is an alien like he just <laughs> seems like a mo- like a modern human being compared to all of these other like it's so weird uh, it's, just, it's it's almost like he's technical or you know what I mean <laughs> yeah it's so weird yeah just watch great. the fucking Baz Luhrmann movie man I will. I think yeah. it captures that stuff quite well. Okay. I mean, it's a giant cartoon and it's far from perfect, but I really did like it. And Austin Butler is phenomenal in that film. Okay, I should um, do it for the show and report back. Even so. hearing the songs, like, in that kind of context, like, I, I, I was wowed by it. So yeah. it's got problems, Tom Hanks being chief among them. <laughs> but I do think you should watch it. Okay. Treat yourself this weekend. It could be a sun, Sunday, rainy afternoon movie. All right, I'll All get right, on it okay. and report back. Although you're not on next week, but I'll report back I'm in not on next week, listener. I'm going on holidays. We'll, we'll get to that at the end of the... That's pretty much it. Um, anyway, so <laughs> well, we said Zara's going to be Zara on. Zara Hedman so. will be coming in. Yeah. I'll be leaving. I'm going to Berlin. Um, so yeah, I'll be here next week. But you mentioned 1956, Greg. Yeah. That's when my number one came out. The debut single from an act. Uh, like I say, patron, patreon.com slash noancore. Patrons of the show who listen to No Ox Court are... Uh, sporadic unfortunately um, you know bonus episode where we talk about songs that we love yeah. I did pick this before but I figured why not pick it again it's that good so here's my number one It appeared on No Ox Court episode 10. It is Down in Mexico by The Coasters. Mm. And much like I said on that episode, for patrons only, I was, of course, inspired by Quentin Tarantino using this in Death Proof. Death Proof, Proof yeah. yeah. In an incredible scene, by the way. Vanessa Ferlito does this very, very uh, alluring dance, <laughs> I should be said. It doesn't work carefully there. Uh, as Kurt Russell looks on menacingly. Um, I, I revisited that film recently. I, I hated it when I first saw it. I think it's easily his worst. I think it probably still is his worst. But I, I did like it. It's worst, right? I liked it more this time. Okay. Uh, Rory Cashin, who I work with, by the way, anytime he mentions The Hateful Eight in like an article, he always says Tarantino's worst movie. I'm like, I don't agree. No, I enjoyed Hateful Eight. It does feel like more of a theatrical thing. Yeah. Like it's just, you know. It's good to watch it this good. time of year, though, as well. You yeah, feel the cold. Wintry. 
Death Proof, yeah, you know what? I liked it more the second time. If I think it was the second. I still think it's got a lot of problems, but that was a lot better. This song, fucking rules, by the way. It's tremendous. Um, huge doo-wop influence. Basically invented it. I don't know. I can't say that. I don't have enough credibility or knowledge, but it, it's highly. they're highly influential on it, I believe. Yeah. Um, first group inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, by the way, in 1987. A lot of the acts that we've talked about are, of course, were in there and first like, year, yeah, yeah, straight away. Um, and I, in in most cases, I did a I did a, a control F and I typed the word Ivor in Ivor Novello. Maybe it wasn't around. I don't know. Like, oh, it doesn't seem to love acts from the fifties. So, yeah, I, I love the song. I, I find it very, very entertaining and fun to listen to. And it's a classic, in my opinion. I, I should say, I was reading up on the coasters, and it's a very grim, like postscript for this act like it's really like kind of heavy stuff here so uh the last surviving member is leon hughes he's 92 and he's i don't know i think he's it says here he's still performing but i don't know sure he's not but like some of the former members suffered tragic ends their saxophone player king curtis who was known as the fifth coaster was stabbed to death outside his apartment building in 1971 uh, Cornelius Gunter of the band was shot to death while sitting in a parking garage in 1990. Uh, an offshoot coasters group was shot in 1980 and had his body dismembered. It says here. What the fuck? Former manager of the, the end band, of a Scorsese film. Former manager of the band Patrick Cavanaugh was convicted of the murder, which took place after um, Nate Wilson had threatened to notify the authorities of his intent to buy furniture with stolen checks. He was convicted of the murder, given the death sentence in 1984 but it was commuted to life in prison. He died at 60 in 2006 in prison. So it's like, fuck me. I like, yeah. I, I, like, yeah, I, I hate to bring the room down, <laughs> but I felt I needed to kind of throw out some new information that I didn't throw on the Knox Court episode. So yeah, I mean, like, it's weird. Like so many of these songs that we've talked about, there's a weirdly tragic ending in like so many different cases. Like, yeah. like almost like it was a cursed decade or something. Not that I'm going to go into like bizarre conspiracy theories, but like, I don't know. I mean, like life was more fragile then. I don't, I don't I'm, I'm not, I'm fair, it's like, I mean, like not every other thing I've just mentioned took place in the fifties, but yeah. Sorry to bring the room down. Down yeah. in Mexico is an amazing song by That's the right. coasters. Please check it out. And in fairness, I will say, I do think that out of the songs we've picked, they've all been... They've all been top dollar, Craig. Oh, there's so much good stuff from the 50s. I'm doing a playlist. I'll stick it on the Patreon. Please, please yeah, do. It's a very enjoyable time. Um, and I'll put some jazz on there. I, I steered clear of jazz because it's a whole different thing. I would have just lost my mind. Put but, um, my five in your uh, playlist as well, would you? Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll sort that out. Okay, let's get on to my number one. Um... I was going to say this was always going to be my number one, but it became my number one after I realized so much stuff was from the early 60s. <laughs> but no, this does. This is a starting point for a lot of stuff. This is a starting point definitely for the big O. And yeah, dreams, you say, Dave. Hey. <laughs> dreams. The Everly Brothers, All I Have to Do is Dream. Um, I mean, it's probably stretching to say that could come out right now and still be a hit, but it does feel like a more of a modern melody than maybe a lot of uh, the picks what I had if, in mind. What if Rihanna released it huh? last week? Um, I'd really, really dig that. There's a lot of good covers. There's a really good Cat Power cover. 
um, which is she, she does just, great covers in general. Yeah, to she's be fair. tremendous. I like, found a reason by her is one of the best. Yeah, it will just destroy you with that voice on that version. And these guys, in fairness, will destroy you with their voices. <laughs> the harmonies, Dave. This feels like the start of a lot of very quintessential American music as well. Just the kind of this births like the Beach Boys and those harmonies. Um, I think in a way, and. Yeah, across the pond, the Beatles were listening. <laughs> but yeah, Lennon and McCartney would always talk about like they when they started out, they wanted to be the Everly Brothers. Even in Get Back, um, they will constantly be calling each other like Phil or Don, just like the Everly Brothers names, and doing covers of stuff like this. And um, very influential, very dreamy. It plugs right into your thing of just like kind of transcendent, serene. Uh, kind of, they're all just deeply haunting in a way kind of like lullabies and I don't know what it is I don't know if it's a recording I don't know if it's the fact that so many of these people have kind of passed on as well it's just like an era you'll never get back but it's this nice little capsule and yeah love this song I think it is the era you'll never get back thing yeah I think it sounds incredibly I mean like is timeless is an overused word but like it does sound it sounds like a fucking <sighs> A, like a, a communication device to ghosts or something like, like it genuinely yeah. does sound like some kind of way of of communicating with the past and also i guess your interpretation of what life must have been like then and still again like i said we've only seen through the prism of tv shows and movies and books i guess we've read and a time period that we simply cannot almost basically like almost cannot fathom yeah but apart from, say, like a film from the time period or something, like, I mean, like, this is, there's something about plugging in, like, you're plugging into a world here, and you are transported back into this kind of very, like, like, maybe rose-tinted, but also there is, as you say, there's a heaviness to, like, a lot of, the, even, even, like, the most breezy pop song that we've played in the last hour or so. Yeah. There's real, like, there's torment in there, there's heartbreak. There's longing, there's, you know, unfulfillment, you know, there's, 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 there's Well, they weird... didn't have Twitter, Dave. They had to get out songs. It's true. You know? yeah, that's fair. Yeah. I mean, like, and clearly, like, you know, a, 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 a much worse off generation for, for, for not having <laughs> yeah. the best social media platform. You mentioned the big O there in your lead up there. So I was expecting Roy Orbison. Yeah. As I said, like he, I think he had his first major hit in 60. Right. So all of the ones, you know, all of the kind of classic You'd think, you'd think the fifties, wouldn't you? Like, I mean, like, it's such a fifty sound. Why, why does my brain like it's this? Uh, that's I was shocked. Yeah, I was shocked. But um, yeah, the likes. I think in dreams is 62, 63, and mm. you got it, and you know all that kind of stuff. Pretty woman, might have been even later. But um, yeah, when you think the fifties, you go to the big O. And he's not there. <laughs> Such is life. Perfect. Um, so Craig's going to put together a playlist. Yeah. Uh, hopefully we can get that out uh, next week. Uh, next week I won't be here. Yes, it's true. As noted, I'm going to Berlin. Um, well earned. Uh, myself. Holiday. And so little hipster. Friend of the show, Dave Higgins, who's currently on. Well, you, you want to talk about hipsters, man. <laughs> he is on a trip at the moment, which is taking him from London to Amsterdam to Mönchengladbach to Frankfurt, to Dresden, to Berlin, where I will meet oh up with him. God. I know, right? Is he running the whole way? No, Congrats he ran to him on doing the no, marathon. No, he, he did the marathon. Yeah, yeah. congratulations. And um, my cousin Caleb, who we occasionally mention, he did it as well this nice. weekend, this past weekend. So, I yeah. say the word, the word record in his honour, because he loves that word. <laughs> record. Record. Um, yeah, so, no, no, Higgs is uh, enjoying, I think, a post-marathon sojourn around Europe, and I will be, I'll be traveling. You're there at over. the finishing line. I'm at the finishing line. Yeah, yeah. And we're going to go. Arms open. You're going to converge. We're going to converge. Yeah. Yeah. Unbelievable. Uh, I haven't seen converge since 2010, 
And the last time I saw them was in Whelan's. I nearly had my neck broken at that gig. Literally. Someone jumped back first on top of my head. And I guess I got, I got, I got big, th- I, got, I got big traps, Craig. So I was, so, so I was all right. Uh, we were holding, we were, I was up the front with my friend and we were holding the band's monitor amps in place as they played. People were stepping on our hands. It was fucking wild. That's what you want. 12 years on, I don't think I'm going to do that again. <laughs> so I'll try and find some kind of safe space at a Converge gig. I'm sure they exist. You've I'm got very, a box in the balcony. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it'd, be, it'd be like a Bono show, you know? I'm very excited though, I will say. And I'm excited anyway. to go to Berlin. I was only ever there for 24 hours before. They got lots of great cinemas. You Pe- see some football as well? I Might go see a football match, yeah. I think probably hurt the Berlin on the last day, which as Hig says, they're not a good team. But I don't care. I just want to go to a German football ground. and say it'd be Soak fun. Soak up the atmosphere. Soak up the atmosphere. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to it. And also, yeah, like I said, I'm looking forward to going to cinemas. I was saying to someone today, um, shout out to Daffy from Tebby Rex, but I was saying how like, People like, whenever I say he wasn't, I was explaining to him that this happens. If I ever say to someone, yeah, I was on holidays and I went to the cinema, people are like, what? And it's like, I love going to cinemas. I love going to like foreign cinemas and yeah. seeing what they're like. And like, you know, uh, some of the cinemas in Berlin look unfucking believable. Yeah, I can imagine. So I'm excited. Anyway, um, he isn't from the 50s, but he is our dream lover. <laughs> <laughs> he is Sonic Architect Adam and thank you very much buddy for um, shepherding us as always uh, next week she's back uh, the long way after to her after her controversial appearance back in April well finally back on the show Zara Hederman uh, who I'll be on the radio with on Friday night by the way yeah I'm looking forward to that one we were supposed to, to review the Dermot Kennedy album yeah which I thought would have made for a very fun debate and then Dermot Kennedy put the album back again by another fucking two weeks. So, unfortunately. Damn it, So, But yeah, so as I was on next week, do you know what you're doing yet for Top 5, Brenton, or Um No, not as yet. I think we might review the Phoenix album, which you'll be speed reviewing, apparently, on the <laughs> yeah. Friday, because, yeah. I have to listen to it from midnight, basically, and, like, review it that night. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we might do that, and we'll maybe link it in somehow with a Top 5. It's going to be very, very good. We're both going to Bob Dylan next Monday that's so right we yeah. could do a part two Dylan top See, five <laughs> no we won't can I, can I, can I be truthful You've, you never listened to the t- Dylan top five well no obviously but no I, I listen to I listen to some of it and okay. I will listen, I will I'm sorry I will listen to it but like last night I sound like Bob Dylan I will listen to, um, I going to bed last night after watching Alien 3 because I'm watching all the Alien movies right I crawled into bed right I turned off the lights and I was hit with a, a, a blood curdling chill and yeah. I said to myself out loud, they're going to do a fucking Bob Dylan top five, aren't they? <laughs> We've already done it, mate. You, listen, if anybody could find a spin. Well, do you know what? We're also doing, um, well, we're going to Pavement on the Thursday, so we might have to do an earlier record or figure that out. But yeah, so there's a couple of gigs happening next week. Okay. And I think she's going to John Cale. Loads of gigs happening next week. Yes. Do best Welsh songs. Is that next week? Next week or the week after. I won't be going to that. I'm not going to that either. Um, But anyway, look, listen, we're just rambling now. Yes, yeah, yeah. uh, Thank you for listening, listener. I hope you enjoyed the sounds of the 50s. I know I did. I'm looking forward to Craig's playlist, which, again, I will get up on Patreon next week, if he has it ready in time. Yeah, I mean, it's probably nearly done in terms of my long list, so I'll get it done the next day or so. Excellent. Okay, cool. I'll go out on Patreon uh, probably on Monday as part of the episode preview, which, again, I guess we'll have to write together, seeing as uh, I won't be on the episode. uh, Do you know what? I can write it down. Can you? <laughs> yeah, you can take out the whole thing. You're off. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm still off. here on Monday, but okay, fine. Yeah, it's not my week off. It's 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 half of a week off. Anyway, look, the point is, see, catch me over on Patreon. Yes. I'll be answering. <laughs> I'll be doing it. 
I'll be doing an AMA. I'll be doing an AMA. <laughs> uh, the things Dave won't let me say. It's <laughs> patreon.com slash noancore if you want to support the show. And thank you to people who've signed up even recently as well. Uh, you know, in a perilous time for the economy. Yeah, we love you. It's greatly appreciated. And uh, yeah, enjoy next week on the show. Craig Fitzpatrick, Zara Hederman. It's going to be great. And I can't wait to hear it when I'm in Germany. Goodbye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.